podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What does it take to end cyber attacks? At Cyber Reason, we can tell you exactly what it takes. It takes an army of battle-tested defenders on a mission. Defenders who fight foes that operate under the cover of digital darkness. Defenders who think, move, and adapt faster than cyber attackers. Defenders with the technology and effortless automation to spot an attack forming on computers, mobile devices, servers, and the cloud, and alert you when it matters most. To end cyber attacks, it takes the brightest minds in global cyber intelligence working to deliver future-ready protection to guard your data wherever the fight moves cyber reason is ready to win the battle with you and for you in the fight to end cyber attacks we are the defenders join us to reverse the adversary attacks with proactive protection against ever-evolving threats cyber reason and cyber attacks from endpoints to everywhere learn more at cyberreason.com that's c-y-b-e-r-e-a-s-o-n.com Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Creamy and delicious, try strawberry and vanilla for two grams of carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks are now available in the yogurt aisle at Walmart. Always consult your physician before starting an eating plan that involves regular consumption of high-fat foods. To 2 2, and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Go! Could have had that fight, but I'm gonna walk on side. Man, I have to drop that man. You're not gonna spit this time. Trying to work with a oh, good energy. Man, I'm gonna work with a bad man vibe. None of these guys can't do it. It's amazing. Like, it's our personal statement. That's foul. That's the response of Arsenal. Across the line. Score for my team in the time I play. Whether I know when man's inside. Chelsea. Simply lost their focus in the joy of it. Hello and welcome to a Touch the Gooners podcast. My name is Lewis and today I'm joined by my usual cast of Daniel Shabs and Sean. How are you doing, guys? No, what's good? Good, thanks. Uh, and you know what? Two weeks in a row we've got a special guest. And this time we've got, uh, we've got John Cross joining us. How are you doing, John? Yeah, really good, really good. Really nice to be with you guys. Thank you. Thank you me. for joining us. We're, we're actually quite excited to have you on. Um, we've been talking, I've been trying to get you on for, for a few weeks, but obviously the Premier League is just in... Full action mode right now. You haven't got a moment's respite um, with the games coming thick and fast. How, how's the schedule been treating you? Are you enjoying this new kind of uh, game every day, pretty much? 
<laughs> yeah, I am actually. Well, I'm sure we're all football addicts, aren't we, really? I did my sixth game yesterday since we've been back. Wow. It's been quite, you know, quite an exhausting sort of schedule, really. It's been really good fun. I think it's been incredibly well organised. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's gone quite smoothly. Everyone is, everything is, is, is run to military precision, you know, from when you turn up, where you park, temperature checks, forms, you know, everything is, is done really to precision. I have to say, if you'd asked me six weeks ago, I would have had major doubts. I still have a bit of a doubt over sort of kind of the, you know, morals of it and what have you. But I just think it's given us all a bit of a lift, hasn't it? And it's done what it's sort of said. How long that novelty will last is another thing because you know i mean the the, the pandemic has been a, a global tragedy and if we get any sort of hint of a second wave you know particularly in england with the premier league i i, I think it will be difficult to justify it so don't get me wrong we're not playing sailing yet but i think with with the protocols and that kind of attention to detail it feels like you know football is in a in a much better place and and blimey do, did we need football to come back i think we did yeah, I mean, j- jury's out for Arsenal fans, I guess. Maybe we could have done with, uh, <laughs> with, the, with the lockdown and just, just uh, going on a little bit longer because obviously it started, um, it started in, a, in a pretty uh, uh, eventful way for us, I guess. Yes. Like, uh, lots to talk about with our opening week or so. Uh, you know, some positives in the last week or so with two wins. But um, how, how, how was, what's, the, what's the mood been like at Arsenal since lockdown and... Um, how was how do you think Arteta has dealt with this? Because this is a challenging time for all managers, not but you know especially a manager who's only been in senior football for you know six months or whatever as a manager. Yeah, I, listen, I I I I I'll tell you how I see it really with Arteta. I'm a massive Arteta fan. I mean, I feel incredibly positive about Mikel Arteta in that basically I do genuinely believe. I know that people sort of question. Oh, how how do you say that? How do you know that? And, you know, isn't he just Guardiola's assistant? But I think it's beyond that. You know, if you'd speak to people, you know, like I tried to do and tried to get a gauge, I think you basically get a feeling for someone. I think he's a, he was an outstanding coach at Manchester City. If you ever speak to him and kind of done quite a few sort of interviews with him over the years, when particularly when he was a player at Arsenal, he spoke so well and he had an authority I mean blimey when, when he used to you know be a senior player at the, at, the, at the club you know some of the younger players Mickey taking I have to I have to add basically used to call him coach and not necessarily in a complimentary way you know because he just had that you know feeling that he was going to be a manager and I just think he was making strides and progress it was a bit hit and miss I just went as a, as a, as a punter actually to the West Ham game and um, you know I was lucky enough to see that from a really good vantage point and, and let's be honest Arsenal won that game and thought, oh, blimey, this is a bit painful. So it wasn't all, you know, plain sailing, but I just thought he was making real inroads despite the Europa League defeat. And then lockdown happens. And I think a lot went wrong, if I'm brutally honest. You know, in that time, the discussion over the pay cuts, the finances, which hit the club hard. And I still don't think a lot of people get how much this is going to hurt football clubs. And he even some of the big clubs like Liverpool and that Arsenal back. I think it's been a wake-up call. I think it's shown how much there is to do. 
um, you know, within the club and how big a challenge this will be for Arteta. I still feel positive about Arteta. But if I'm brutally honest, I think the club, you know, is facing huge, huge problems, huge hurdles. And I, I you know, sort of try to uh, sort of this like the other day on the radio kind of came up short. But I think in a way the club is going back and that, that's how I'd kind of couch it. And I do think Arteta is, a, is an incredibly intelligent guy, very good coach, very good manager. I think he's already shown his ruthless streak. I'm on board with him. I mean, listen, it's so obvious, isn't it, that he's got to kind of improve that defence. Mm. Defense, defensively, it can look an absolute shambles um, at times. And there's no point in hiding away from that. And, you know, I, I just think that it's, it's going to take time. But I think some of these younger players, I mean, you know, Saka is exciting. You know, Willock's exciting. Let's hope that kind of Reese Nelson can kick on and maybe Niketia. And I think the core and the basis of those young players, you know, uh, uh, it can give you a real lift, I think. So I, I think that's a, that, that's a real sense of encouragement. But I think it's going to be a difficult time. And I think, you know, Arsenal fans have got to be patient. But I do genuinely believe they've got the right man in Arteta. I do. I do believe that strongly. You, you mentioned there that, um, obviously, the coronavirus is... Uh, and Arsenal weren't exactly a team with the most humongous budget anyway. But um, you mentioned now that, obviously, coronavirus has, has obviously impacted the world of football. So... Mm. You know, is it is a tough time. Uh, I saw an article that you wrote. Um, just trying to think when this was. Was it last week? Now about uh, a potential contract for for Willian. Yeah. Um, for two hundred fifty uh, grand a week, which I'm sure would everyone would be kind of like, oh my god, what is going on here? You know, uh, I'm sure you probably got a lot of that feedback to yourself in terms of like, what are you doing, Arsenal? Two hundred fifty k a week. Um, Obviously, you mentioned that was pre-coronavirus. So, is that something that is still in the works with, in regards to a deal with Willian, and or, or is or is that something that um, you know we've had to put on the back burner now? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I did that column and basically dropped online, and, and one of my pals, who, who's who's our chief sub at the paper, basically immediately texted me. He's a mad Arsenal fan. Said, what are you going on about two hundred fifty thousand pounds a week? And basically, you know, they're, they're sort of kind of quibbling over Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Why don't they just pay Aubameyang what he wants? And and I kind of get that, but you've also got to remember that William is a free agent, and so listen, traditionally, free agents have always commanded much more, whether that's a big signing on fee because the, the transfer fee isn't being paid or, you know, I mean, it even dates back to kind of Sol Campbell, doesn't it? I mean, Sol Campbell and monster money because he was a free agent. So, so you know, let, let, let's get it right. It wasn't, it's not as if you're buying William for 20 million quid and then giving him a £250,000 a week contract. That's how agents work. They demand that basically the transfer fee that, club is saving gets paid on 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 the on the wages but what i would say is that speaking to kind of people around it i think the general feeling is that there'll be a drop even in the earnings of free agents um and that could be you know 25 percent less for a good free agent signing maybe up to 50 percent you know less for for a you know a, a, shall we say a run-of-the-mill free agent signing 
And I think it's incredibly interesting times ahead. And I think that basically people say, I'll kind of, you know, uh, you go and pick up a few free signings. There's some good business to be out there, which is true. But honestly, the clubs are feeling the pinch so much, not just in terms of transfer fees, but in terms of wages. That is why, you know, Arsenal was struggling to kind of get those three signings over the line that Arteta wanted done, you know, for, for, for Cedric Suarez, for, for Murray, for, for, for David Luiz last week. This is a real melting pot. And I can't stress enough that basically I don't think Arsenal will have huge amounts to spend at all this summer. And I know I said that last summer and ended up signing Nicola Pepe. But, but listen, I, you know, there was a real turning point last summer when I think in fairness to, to the club, they dug deep and the owners guaranteed the spending. There was a bit of a you know, time, you know, point in time there. I, I don't, don't think you'll get that this season because, you know... The, Arsenal are having to, you know, face up to the realities like a few clubs. You know, I see this talk about kind of, you know, oh, maybe it'll be a good thing for Arsenal if they don't get into the Europa League because they'll have a free run at the Premier League. That is so much nonsense, believe me. Because while it's good in theory, in practice, financially, the Europa League, the Europa League, yeah, you need the money. Mm. And, you know, the Champions League is king, obviously. We all know that. The Champions League will be a game changer for Arsenal. But the Europa League, you know, is still well worth qualifying for because it gives you money, it gives you serious money, it gives you millions and millions. And I just can't believe that people are so naive to think that you can kind of miss out on that and have a good run at the finish in the Premier League. Sounds great and it's a good idea, but the reality is that basically Arsenal would have to make severe cutbacks if they don't make European football. I mean, you know, it's it's a very weeks back about kind of the club having to kind of scale back on the kind of the you know for the summer on on academy scouts. You know, they've got some good academy scouts and basically, and the, the club is sort of kind of having to be fairly open about that and sort of kind of you, you know sort of admitting that basically, yeah, we've you know basically there's no academy football going on the summer, so you know we'll re- hopefully renew those contracts in September but for now we'll have to leave it that is how much that the virus is you know and, and a lot of the finances are hurting clubs like Arsenal you know and it was not just Arsenal I mean Spurs will be in a similar situation big new stadium Liverpool huge wage bill we're not just talking about the bottom six here guys we're really not we're talking football at the top end this this pandemic financially and everything that's associated with it has been an absolute game changer. I'm of the view that maybe if Arsenal do want to do some business this summer, then maybe they'll have to make tough decisions on, you know, on the Lacazette, for example, if he's, he's indicating he won't resign. You know, if Aubameyang, they can't, you know, keep him. Because really, can you, you know, he's going to be 31. Can you, can you give him another Ozil-style contract? I don't think you can. And so, again, tough decisions, but maybe they'll have to do that to, to, to rebuild in other key areas, like a box-to-box midfielder, like a new centre-half or, you know, you know, someone else on the wing. I think there's particular areas in that squad that maybe you might have to sacrifice a star to bring in, you know, Gwendouzi, offload of Gwendouzi, you know, to, to, to basically strengthen that, you know, particular areas that Arsenal need to do, I think. Dan, I've got I've got a quick question um, mm. around this that maybe ties into this. This is around the financial fair play and um, how if we have basically have adjusted the rules a little bit to 
to let um, clubs come compile with it this season because they've struggled. How much would that affect potentially Arsenal's business or generally Premier League clubs' business and their ab- ability to move in the market? Well, I th- honestly, it's a great it's a great point in that basically it's a great opportunity for certain clubs um, because you're right. That I mean, basically at the moment there's no way that that basically a lot of the big Premier League clubs could possibly fall into line with FFP because that their income has fallen so dramatically through TV cash and then gate revenue. And so basically just on the turnover, you just cannot begin to balance the books. So that basically what UEFA are talking about doing is, is kind of almost merging to uh, sort of kind of the, um, how can I put it, kind of almost two years of, of FFP in, into one and almost giving you a bit of a license um, to kind of almost spend what you want for, for two years. Although, the reality is that long term, you'll still have to balance the book. So it's not kind of completely free pass as it was, say, 15, you know, 16 years ago. So I think there'll be scope there, you know, for, for some of the bigger clubs. I mean, I look at Man City. If Man City, you know, have got the money and they obviously have, then basically they can go and spend it. And basically they can do that in the next couple of years. So the opportunity is there for, for Arsenal. But I have to say, I think that, you know, Arsenal pride themselves and the owners pride themselves on, on a self-sustaining model. I just don't think you'll get that, that, that kind of investment. You, you know, we talk about kind of, you know, shouldn't the Cronkies put money in? Well, they have, un, you know, kind of underwritten and guaranteed um, that, you know, the club's expenditure in last year's market. And then again, also through the pandemic, so I think that that's as far as, as you'll get with, with them. But that is a big commitment. And, you know, I mean, ultimately they are the owners, so they're responsible for it anyway. But I don't think, you, you know, you'll kind of get beyond that. But that is, that is a massive boost because previously Arsenal were very, very conservative in the market because they had to kind of keep the, the, their kind of cash revenues afloat and keep the banks happy. And that, that allowed, that, that intervention allowed them to spend that much more is is maybe the easiest way of explaining it, but but I, I do think it is potentially got you know got a bit of a game changer this FFP simply because if you look at a club like Newcastle, I'm sure everyone's got strong views on kind of the Saudi takeover, uh, whether it should be allowed, whether it's ethically right, whether it's right because of the piracy issue, um, it, it will allow without doubt you know any potential takeover to go and spend spend spend. Um, you know, basically they can go and recruit a top manager. They can go and recruit sort of kind of three or four major, major stars on huge contracts. It's a game changer for Newcastle. It's a potentially a game changer for the Premier League. Sammy, uh, I'm so- sorry, John, just on um, that, that your, your point around the transfers. Last week, Sammy was on and um, he spoke about Arsenal's um, potential interest in, in, in a few players. And, and one of them considering we have um, the new signings of, of, of Mary and Louise who are, who are signed to additional contracts now, he still spoke about our, our long-standing interest in um, uh, Leipzig defender Dio Upamecano. Mm. He also spoke about our, our apparent interest in um, Atletico Madrid midfielder Thomas Partey as well. So um, considering what you've mentioned about the finances, um, but th- these have been constant links that have been prevalent now for, for quite a few months. How, how do you sort of see these deals going? Well, I just think, that, listen, I think the, the interest there is very real. I, I just think that the Abamenko, for example, is just going to be so sought after. I don't know whether you've been watching some of the Bundesliga, but he stands out for me. You know, he's so he's so uh, he, he, he's so graceful. I think on the ball, 
you know, he, he's very, very strong in the tackle. He, he looks, I mean, sometimes I look at Van Dijk playing for Liverpool and I think he stands out, you know, so because he's an absolute colossus. I think Upamenko is, that, is, is into that category. But look, there's an interesting situation there because the contract, you know, is sort of kind of a bit, been a bit of an issue for him running down to can they do something along those lines. My, my fear is for that one is if Arsenal are not in the Champions League, then I think they'll have competition from clubs that are in the Champions League to try and get it done. But definitely, you know, that, that's been, you know, a long-standing target. For Thomas Partey, I think, is, is an interesting one, just because, I mean, there's no doubt about it, Lacazette, I think, was very, very close in the past to joining Atletico. And then basically, I wonder whether Lacazette, you know, could possibly potentially be, you know, put into some sort of deal for Partey and basically trying to offset that. And that that's the kind of thing that I was sort of kind of trying to hint at and that basically I wonder whether you can kind of offset one, you know, for another in a player plus cash deals. Swap deals are so difficult because like one individual player is so difficult to do, you know, because you kind of got to agree the contract, got to agree the price. They're hard to do, you know, transfers on one price, on one deal, let alone two in the same transaction. So they are difficult to do, but I actually think that this summer you will see so many more um, player plus cash deals and swap deals. I, I really do. I think it's going to be a bit of a game changer. I think um, I think that um, the Arthur and the Pjanic deal is probably a perfect example of that between um, Barca and Juve at the moment, isn't it? It really is. I think that you know I've been watching that with with, with great interest, and and do you know what I've been talking to someone who's kind of you know. I know someone around the sort of the Arthur camp, shall I say. And then basically, up until a few weeks ago, he just didn't, just didn't want to leave, you know, the new camp. Didn't want to leave Barcelona. He's made that absolutely clear publicly. And then basically, you know, I guess once the writing is on the wall. But that was, that was an interesting one, that. Because under normal circumstances, I just don't see that one. You know, I just don't think that either club... It, 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 you know, Barcelona clearly want to make sort of changes and improvements and, and, and do things. But, you know, why is that deal sort of kind of attractive to, to, to Juve in a way that it, it's, it's really interesting? I guess they both ultimately want a player that's slightly different and they've kind of got that in, in, in those players. And that's the way forward. I think that'll be the interesting template, you know, kind of, because I thought that was a really interesting deal. It's so rare, aren't they? I, I, I was writing about sort of swap deals and honestly, concerning Arsenal, you had what Ashley Cole, William Gallas, two thousand six. You had Sanchez, obviously, and Mkhitaryan. Um, uh, yeah. But that that was a disaster, and that allowed kind of agents to take the Mickey. Really, was that Reyes Baptista? Was that a swap deal? Yeah, there was. There was. Or was, it was, or was a, that a loan? Was that a loan? It was, was it? it was a swap tied to a loan, wasn't right, it? Right. Yeah. And it was so complex; it's not true. And so you know, I thought that that was. You know, I remember that one and kind of, you know, Reyes just, Reyes gets, I think gets a bit of a, uh, you know, isn't, I mean, obviously, you know, with what's happened subsequently, you know, he's viewed with more affection, but actually as a player, what he did, I didn't, I don't think always gets the credit he deserves because he kind of gave that, that team, that amazing team, a bit of a turbo boost in my view. And so basically sometimes it's like, the subtleties and sort of the additions to the squad that can can make all the difference. And I thought that Reyes could made that difference. Mm. I mean, we could do a Reyes right now. I can't lie to you. So. <laughs> yeah, no, no. 
you know, I, I, I like Saka so much. Mm. I think that Saka is such a good player. Mm. You know, he's just so good, isn't he? You know, I, I mean, he's played fullback. He's provided assists from fullback, and he's nowhere near a fullback. He's played in the midfield three. He switches in the same game from the midfield three to wide. He's such a good footballer. Yeah, such a well, good. We, we really respect him as a as a um, quality player, John. I, I just wanted to ask you um, on, on on that thread of club finances and the point that you made about maybe having to offload um, a few of our players. One one of my worries as an Arsenal fan is that we don't we don't demand or get the best value for our players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've got quite a few assets in terms of players who we could get rid of to bring in some finance to 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 supplement us, either in terms of transfers or sustain the club or whatnot. Um, Guendouzi's one that was mentioned, Lacquer's one that was mentioned. My worry is about the 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 price, the type of price that we could get for players, especially in this COVID context, and then um, not commanding a good price and then not being able to utilize that in the way that we, we, um, we should, because I do, I am, I am asking questions about the, the, the way that we've conducted transfers over the last couple of seasons. And for me, it's not so much Ten. about not having money to spend. I think we've spent money. We haven't spent the money well, um, mm. but I, I wanted to know kind of your thoughts on. on yeah. That. Listen, I do agree with that. I, it's weird. I was thinking actually sort of kind of, as I, was, as, as I was getting up this morning, because knowing I was, I was coming on the show, you know, thinking about it and kind of, I, d- I guess I was thinking about that kind of, I think it's such a fine balance. And I think that some clubs get that balance right. And that I think in recent seasons, Arsenal haven't got that balance right. And I think that, you know, some of the hierarchy, I guess, have, have kind of got to look and learn lessons you know, from, from previous seasons. But I have to say that, that basically how many times, you know, it's easy for me to say that, but how many times have we been here before? Whether that's kind of a, you know, letting Nasri's contract run down, letting, you know, um, Fabregas go, you know. it's just, Percy. Percy, absolutely. Or you know, uh, Absolutely. And, and, and that's the point, isn't it? But I think that basically we don't seem to learn and, in, and engage. And I feel that, you know, the, 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 the glaring, the one thing that I, I, you know, I do think is that the club has to be stronger in, in terms of, you know, they, they, they said a couple of, yeah, I think they sort of last year they repeated it, but they said it kind of, you know, a couple of years ago. Any player that basically, you know, who's got two years left, we have to sell. We cannot let these con- players continually get into the final two years. But then you have to balance that with Aubameyang, for example, last summer, in that basically my feeling was that there was probably some interest then, you know, in Aubameyang. And they could have they could have sold him. I think there was interest here and and from abroad. And then basically they were clearly trying to do a contract with him, which would have been the perfect solution. But they couldn't get that done. He wouldn't sign the contract. And at what point then do you say, well, you know, if you're not going to sign the contract, then we'll have to sell him. You know, but if they'd sold him last summer, I, I, you know, the fans would have been in absolute uproar. And then you get the accusations: Arsenal lack ambition. They're selling their best players. But then equally, then this summer, 
you're getting the accusation that Arsenal are not very well run. So you kind of can't win because if you show the ambition to try and keep your best player, even though you're sort of kind of, you know, allowing him to run the contract down, then then basically, you know, you get criticised with one year left. And then basically, if you sell him with two years left, then you, then you get criticised. But this, the simple reasoning is, Arsenal have to, that, that's why Arsenal have to make a decision on, 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 on Lacazette this summer. You, you cannot let him go into another two years. But generally, you know, I mean, look at look at Ozil. I mean, Ozil, if Arsenal would let Ozil run his contract down and leave on a free and not sign him to that £350,000 a week contract, the fans would have been crazy, and rightly so, you know, because he, you know, he'd be a free. And they shouldn't have been in that situation in the mm. first place. And I think that they just need to reset that to send a strong message to say that we're a club that basically doesn't do, you know, players, big players going into the final two years. And dare I say it, that basically one of the clubs that I think has got that right, I think is Spurs for a random example. You know, they're basically, I'll always remember a really good example was with, 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 with Peter Crouch. When Peter Crouch was still an England player, you know, Peter Crouch basically wanted to do some business on the striker, wanted to offload Crouch. And you you approach in the last couple of days of the transfer window, and basically he wouldn't resign. They, they offered him a contract. He wouldn't resign it, and then basically so Daniel Levy said, right, you, if you're not if you're not resigning, if you don't if you don't go, we, we've you know agreed a deal for you. If you don't go, you will not be in our Premier League squad, and that is that is getting tough, and you know that is ultimately this sort of kind of tough stance that Arsenal need to do now. And that is the kind of, you know, Edu is relatively new to the role, but that is the kind of authority that he has to exact, I think, on this squad. And then basically say, we've got to sort it out. We've got to get away from this kind of chaotic summer uh, each and every year where we've got a player running into the final two years, potentially one year. And he could be sold to a direct rival. It's just not. It's just not how football clubs should be run. Not not of the you know of the club the size of Arsenal. And I have to say, I think Edu deserves a little bit of time before we make a judgment on that, because obviously he's relatively new to the role. But where I think is you know people will be looking at is Raul Sunlight, because basically, you know he's then got to get this period right as well because he's head of football operations. And I just think between them, they've got to kind of, you know, get this balance right between the point of selling and be strong enough to make that big decision and then basically getting their transfer market and their transfer transfer values right. Because you're quite right, you know, you, you're not going to get anything like the value that you should if you're selling under pressure, under duress and at the wrong time. You're just going to, you know, get mugged off year after year, aren't you? I mean, this, this kind of ties into maybe two two players that, that are going to enter the, the last 24 months of the contract. So one of them is Leno, which I very much imagine Arsenal will trying to keep hold of him. But um, we, f- we find ourselves in a similar situation. If he doesn't sign this summer, then we'll be under duress next summer. Um, and Guendouzi is actually one. So maybe the Guendouzi situation will pan out a little differently, given, given some of the stories and rumours coming out now. And he might leave this summer, but he left to sign a contract or leave the summer really as well. Otherwise, we'd be in the dress next summer again. So, um, what, what, 
do you think do you think Arsenal will actively tr- look to kind of resolve those situations, or is, do you think this is still an ongoing problem? Of course, we we, we will only be smarter after this summer, and um, have some indication. But it'd be good to see if you or know if you know and um, there's some sort of strategy behind this because um, it's difficult for us to see. Yeah, I, I definitely think with Lino, you can't let him run into the final two years. I mean, it's, it's become a little bit weird, isn't it, now, because of that sort of elongated transfer window. So, uh, again, kind of got to give him a bit uh, of a chance on that. But it, it's the ultimate test because Lino, you know, I haven't done my, my sums up on that one, to be honest with you. But basically, you know, if he's running into the final two years, then then basically you've kind of got to make those sort of kind of tough calls. He's such a good goalkeeper, isn't he? And he's such a good character. I mean, Martin is, you know, to give him his due, been amazing, I think, since made crucial saves. Um, but but basically that, that allows you then to have two very, very good goalkeepers. But I just think you, you, you've kind of got to make that decision. Guendouzi, I think, is different in that I don't think he's Arteta's cup of tea. Um, and... I, I'm I'm pretty sure that if the right deal, if the right offer comes along, then that's one that they'll sacrifice to raise money for elsewhere. So I just think it's it's one of those things. I think that basically, I think he, if I'm brutally honest, I think he's had a few doubts um, for, for some some while now on Gwendouzi about discipline, about, um, you know, sort of kind of, game intelligence kind of you know on pitch intelligence and 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 discipline and i just think maybe you know he's one that ultimately would be sacrificed and maybe bring in someone else you know if you could do some some business on Gwendouzi, sacrifice him to bring in a thomas Partey, and i think you know i think you'll have done done well i think that i don't you know Gwendouzi can be a good rabble rouser and and sometimes you know sort of spot a pass and he's got great energy and and so on but I do think that maybe just maybe they're kind of missing a bit more quality on the ball and I think that basically that would be so so good you know I looked at sort of I I follow sort of kind of um, European football very closely and I've seen so I've seen quite a lot of Partey and for for example I think Partey is basically a player that you can you know, you can give him the ball in a tight area and he keep the ball and he's very good technically. I think he's good and he's got energy and I just think he's a, he would be in a bit of an upgrade, for example, if, if you could kind of do a like for like. 100%. Yeah. Um, go on, Sean. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry, Lewis. Sean, um, so you spoke about Gwendouzi not necessarily being um, Arteta's cup of tea, and but someone who very much is Arteta's cup of tea seems to be Granite Xhaka. Now, obviously, mm. we know... Um, prior to the end of the Emery era, the way he fell out of the Arsenal fans and it looked like he was going to be out of the club in January. Um, and obviously Arteta had a, had a bit of a word with him and um, he seems very committed to the cause now. And obviously he's he's tied down to um, a long-term contract at Arsenal, but he's still someone who's quite a bit of a divisive figure. So it'd be good to hear sort of like where, where our current standing on him is. But Arteta seems to be very keen on him. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, I kind of... I don't know whether it matters so much what I think of him as, as what you guys think of him. So kind of I'll throw it back to you in a minute. But I just, he, he is an interesting one in that I actually, I had some sympathy with him over what happened. I didn't, I, I just felt that there was so much negativity at that time that I felt for him when he came off that pitch that day. Should he have reacted like that? Absolutely not. But come on, I just felt that he deserved a bit more 
I don't think it was right. I don't, I don't agree with kind of the, you know, that, that, that sort of kind of booing and sort of kind of that, that culture where he's constantly getting criticism. Is he the player that we kind of thought he was going to be when, when they signed him? No, I don't think he is that kind of, is that box to box. But I feel strongly that basically Arsenal are a better team with Granite Xhaka in it. And, you know, when he's not there, I think, he, I think he's, he offers a bit more discipline. He offers a bit more structure to the team. You know, I think, I like to think he's improved that kind of recklessness in his tackling. I think he used to switch off a bit more, maybe stop that a little bit more. You know, we don't talk about it so much, do we? Kind of, you know, let's just see him go and do that on Wednesday night, you watch. But um, it just, I, I, you know, I, I feel that he's improved and I feel that he's partly improved because of Arteta's man management. One of the first things he did, I mean, if you remember, Arteta takes over just before Christmas. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, Jacker was on his way out. Jacker was ostracised. Jacker was was finished. You know, and basically, quite rightly, he he and his representatives were looking at alternatives and basically hoping to do that in January. And then to you know, kind of turn that situation around, I think has been you know really impressive. I think he's done similar with Mustafi. You know, Mustafi is not not going to be a world beater. He's not exactly the kind of you know long term answer. But blimey, he's done all right you know, kind of thing in, in difficult circumstance. I, I just think that Xhaka is what he is. And, and, and you know, he signed to a long-term contract, you know, signed up under Emery, wasn't he? And I think he does a steady job for the team. You know, he's, he, 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 you know, he's not going to be that dynamic box-to-box player, but I think it, Arsenal are a better team with him in it. Um, and, and, and I guess ultimately that, that's all you can judge him on. I don't know what you guys think of, of, of Xhaka. You know, is, is he a kind of a long-term solution? No, <laughs> not for me anyway. I mean, I, 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 I completely get your points that um, he, definitely, he definitely solidifies us and mm. he's got that kind of positional sense and what you're lacking with Gendouzi and stuff like that. And we, there's no qualms about it. We definitely are a better side with Xhaka inside. But I think... If you want to be at the level where Arsenal should be, I don't think he's the required quality. I think your Thomas Partey's are your required quality to take you there. And it would be interesting to see if if we do sign Partey, somehow we manage to convince Lacazette to go at Letico. I don't know if that's something he's interested in. Um, but it would be interesting to see if Arteta would, would go with a Xhaka Partey pivot. Or would that maybe... Is that more of a Xhaka replacement? Yeah, I, I, I think from, from, yeah, I mean, Partey, I think, does sort of kind of sit deeper, doesn't he? So, um, I don't know whether he's, you know, he's, he, I think he's actually a bit more energetic. But, you know, I don't know whether the two could play together. Sometimes, I guess, in that situation, you know, maybe a coach has a, has a better eye. But basically, I guess you, you only tend to find out when it happens. I mean, look at Ceballos. I think Ceballos basically has had his best games, I think, when, he, when he's been playing with, you know, a six, an anchor. And so he's been off the pivot like that. I don't think Ceballos will stay. No. You know, I mean, the, the, you know the, the loan deal as such was massive. I mean, it's ridiculous, you know, it's huge deal that they basically, have Arsenal kind of got value for money? I mean, how, how, how much did how much did we pay for the loan deal, John? 
Oh, uh, well, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was a lot of money. And yeah. basically, uh, I forget off the top of my head. Sorry, apologies. But basically, it was a lot of money. Plus, the wages are, are huge. I mean, Tottenham bolted it. You know, basically, Tottenham basically said it was, it was way too expensive. You know, way too expensive. And they pulled out quite early, to be honest, because of basically the, the loan fee and also the... The, the you know the wages. I mean, listen, it, it's it's you know, there's nothing untoward about it. It's it's what a lot of the bigger clubs do now. They kind of have a sort of kind of, you know, a player that, that that's kind of a rising talent, very very good talent, you know, like a Sabios, and say, well, actually, if he's going to get limited game time here, then basically, you know, we can, um, you know, sort of kind of let him go out. I mean, if you remember, there was a bit of doubt, wasn't there, at the time, just at the final time. Because, you know, Real Madrid had a couple of, you know, sort of kind of late injuries before the start of the season. And then basically all of a sudden there was a doubt over whether Sobios would happen. Well, Sobios did happen and that's largely because it was a financial consideration, you know. So, so they're, they're basically it was, it was, a, it was a, you know, it was a big deal though. So, again, it's one of those where we kind of think, oh, he's only a loan player. Well, the reality is even loans these days are incredibly expensive. It was 15 million. It's reported as being fifteen million pounds. Well, time. it must. If it's reported as such, it must. Be. <laughs> <laughs> was it reported by John, Shams? Was it reported by John? I was trying to quickly Google Tobias loan fee, John Cross. But I mean, that, that sounds that sounds so, that sounds an awful lot of money for a loan. But hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, again, I guess you know, if you were signing. You know, like one of you know European football's best young talents, as it as he's built on a on a four year contract. I guess you might end up paying a sixty million pound fee, and then you're thinking, oh, that's quite a good price. So I guess you know you kind of got to evaluate everything, but putting in that context. But those are the sort of fees you know that that you kind of you're up against, and it was a business transaction for for Madrid. It really was. Mm. Okay, um, I'm just going to ask some questions to you from our Discord uh, server um, just before we let you go. Um, mm. So I've got one here from Donatelli. He asks, uh, what will Arteta's targets be for next season? Will he be expected to seriously challenge for the top four or are the board looking for continued improvement? I think it's more continued improvement. I mean, listen, I, I guess, you know, when you pick apart, you know, Arsenal's squad, what, what will the squad look like next season? Honestly, at this point in time, I couldn't honestly say. It's a really weird one. I just think in June, you've normally got an idea who's staying, you know, the, the primary targets, whether they're achievable. I think so much is dependent on kind of what Arsenal, you know, do at the start, at the finish of the season. If they make the Europa, if they make the Champions League, the Champions League, let's be honest, it's reality is probably gone, isn't it? I would have thought. Um, but the Europa, I think, is still you know, still doable. That will be different. You know, that will encourage them. Who's going to, you know, who's going to sign contracts? And I, I think there's so many, you know, questionable, so many variables there. I just think at this moment in time, I think next season should be about improvement. I mean, you, you can exceed expectations. Leicester, look at Leicester. They're a good example. You know, Leicester, if you really pick apart their squad, is it that much better than Arsenal's and yet they've kind of been third for much, much of the season? Well, you know, you could have a kind of, you know, that, that freaky season and they're basically, I think Arteta's a really good coach and I think maybe kind of could over, you know, uh, exceed expectation. But I genuinely think it will be 
you know, two years at the very least as, as a rebuilding job. Do you, you mentioned like the primary targets there. Do you, do you have an idea of who Arsenal's primary targets are, or do you, or is that like you said, it's solely dependent on how this season finishes and what kind of funds we have available? Oh, I, I do think it's very much dependent on what's what's you know how, how this season finishes and basically finances. Okay. I mean, it, it, you know, I wouldn't mind. You know, I still think that the, 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 there's an interest in William. So I think that basically, do, do they need a William at this point in time? You know, it's, that's a weird one. You know, I did a sort of a kind of a column last week saying that basically, you know, people are trying to put Coutinho in, which is, you know, but do Arsenal again, do they, do, do they buy it on that one? I can't, I can't see that one because even with, you know, him being on a loan, that, that again, that it just comes back to the fact it would be, have to be a big contract. And again, I can't see that one. Saliba, everyone's talk. You know, everyone talks at, at the club about how impressive he is as a player, and and potentially as a character. You know, he's sort of kind of almost, you know, a, a really good profile of a player. You know how, you know, he, he's sort of very graceful on the ball as, as a centre half. He looks strong. He looks positive, and you know, so that that's interesting you know and so that'll be hopefully a better balance to to the defense you know holding has come back quite well as he sort of got last couple of games i think and i'm a big big fan of his so you know maybe maybe they don't need to strengthen so much at center half they certainly don't need to at full back now they've got the full back you know uh, positions covered off midfield they definitely i think they need to do something you know, basically, I mean, they're not going to get rid of Ozil. I mean, honestly, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of almost, I'm a big Ozil fan. I like to see players. Dan's got a mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's really weird, right? Because basically, I always have this laugh. Hi, hi John. Right. <laughs> well, good, good. I'm pleased there's someone else out there. But it's really weird because I just think, why do we watch football? I just think that basically we watch football to see different unpredictable talents. And I just think Ozil will drive, drive you nuts on occasions. And my God, I'll give him some stick for, for poor games. But, you know, on other times, he just runs the game. And he's like a fabulous, fabulous player. And years to come, we'll look back and say, blimey, they signed Mesut Ozil for 42 and a half million quid from Real Madrid. And he was there for, you know, for all this time. And it was just, you know, it, there, were ama- there were amazing moments. There should have been more. Please don't get me wrong. And the, the hope was he'd push Arsenal to the next level and it's not worked out like that. But I still think as an individual talent, you know, I mean, it, it's funny really, our chief sports writer, Andy Dunn, basically, I always laugh at him because he's sort of the chairman of the, of the you know, the Meza Ozil fan club. I mean, it's just, we're, we're, we're in short supply. Where do I sign up? <laughs> <laughs> but I just, don't you think? He's just such a talent, isn't he? You know, and it's like, there's some magical moments. And I thought that Arteta was getting the best out of him. And I just think at the same time, it's, it's probably been a difficult time for him because there was so much, you know, written and said about the pay cuts and, you know, and, and it, it, that was difficult. And yet I still respect him on that view in that basically... If he wants to give his money to where he wants to, well, fine, absolutely fine. Why shouldn't he? And I just think that basically, I think I feel a bit sorry for him on 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 that level. And then basically, if he wants to do, look at what he does charity-wise. I think he's outstanding. And I basically, 
I've always been quite neutral, neutral on this. And I think sometimes if you write stuff, then basically people think you're being critical. And the fact is that I wasn't. And I just basically kind of stay neutral on it. And I just think that, you know, I, I, I still think he's a wonderful footballer. And clearly, there's, you know, lockdown hasn't been good for him and everything that's gone with it. He's not been playing. You know, was he right to come back into the team? Arteta clearly doesn't think he's up to that level yet. But Arteta's, a, you know, an intelligent guy. Just look at how much he used him, um, you know, in, in that first period before lockdown. I'm sure he'll get more game time. I feel positive about that. And that basically you just need to use your assets because why on earth would he leave the football club? Because no one else is going to pay him that much. And I feel really strongly about this. Maybe I speak to too many, too many agents and too sympathetic on players. You give a player a contract. You can't just withdraw it and stop it when things don't quite work out your way. I mean, how would we like that in a sort of kind of, you know, in a normal walk of life? And it's just ridiculous. It's shameful, I think, sometimes the way that basically, you know, uh, you know, people and, and, and sort of kind of fans and indeed clubs then treat players. I think you're there for the good and the bad. And if a player doesn't do enough or doesn't work hard enough to kind of, you know, and then lets lets himself down, then, okay, deserves the criticism. But I still feel that Ozil, in that three-month period before lockdown under Arteta, showed again that he can be a very good asset. And I think it would be foolish not to try and utilise, you know, him to his best skills. Don't you Don't you agree? I, I suppose I do just feel just on that. There is a bit of um, frustration on, on the part of the club mm. as to us not working to get the best out of Ozil. I, I always felt, felt that Ozil played some of his best football when we had um, players like Carzola in the team who did their work deeper and who could get the ball to him in more advanced positions and, and, and let him do his work. And he had players like um, Sanchez who he could combine with. He had Walcott who could go in behind as well. Um, Giroud kind of got in the way a little bit. But he, <laughs> but he could still... He could still play. Giroud was very good with his feet. That's a nice way to put it, that is. Yeah, no, especially for a big man. He was good with his feet. So Ozil could still combine and, and do his work. And I think what we saw, Ramsey as well. So there, there, were, there, were, there were things for um, the moving targets and things for Ozil to work off. And I think we, we slowly, you know, we lost Kozola for a long time to injury. Still haven't replaced him in, in the midfield in terms of his functionality. Um, kind of lost what Walcott brought us in terms of that player who would stretch teams and go in behind and, you know, pick out targets. And we've kind of gone a different way. So that, that we, we haven't worked so much as a club to, um, to get the best out of Ozil, I suppose. Mm -hmm. My frustration with Ozil is, 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 is sometimes... I don't want to blame him for his body language. You know, I've, I've, I've gone and sat and, you know, held season tickets and gone and watched him play. And I think he does pick up a lot of stick um, for him being lazy or lethargic when actually he did used to cover a lot of ground. My frustration with him, though, is his, sometimes his application and some of the... Um, sorry, his application in games or lack of application and some of the off-field um, kind of antics. What he gets up to in his private life is up to him, but the stuff about him being at home playing Fortnite and stuff and playing computer games really goes whilst we're really struggling as a team and he is supposed to be one of our leaders is... is, is, is that he won't travel outside the M25. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but I, I, I think we're responsible in parts as well. And I think as well, the match with em- Emery was not the right... Going from Arsene Wenger, a manager who um, liberates players and encourages them to find their own solutions and is really focused on playing, for actually playing football, um, to Emery, who was just not the right fit as a coach for so many of our players, you know, is... Um, is I think we have to bring that into the equation as well when given a, an, an, an overall evaluation on us. On, on, uh, so I'm not sure what the others think. I mean, you guys know what I think, so yeah. Nah, yeah, we don't need to know what you mean. Go for it, come on. <laughs> <laughs> similar to Shaps, but as, as, um, as, as he outlined, I think um, a lot of responsibility also lies with the clubs to create environments to, to, um, to elevate their best, best talent and for Uzo and Sanchez, we didn't do this. Um, so we had both both of them players, and they were both top players, and and they played at good levels for us as well for for a few seasons. And it was widely recognised in the Premier League that they are absolute top players. And we never we never um, complimented the squad to make it really really go another level up. Um, and um, there's only so much both of them can do. Um, Sanchez was less patient, um, left um, was um, obviously kicked off a bit of a fuss and left. And Uzo, Uzo signed a big contract. And um, even when he signed that big contract, the manager that came in um, really had no use for him, didn't want to use him initially, and then realised they couldn't sell him because obviously he's on this big contract. So tried to reintegrate him, but did it poorly. So um, I think Atta's, um, Atta's time will be a bit different for Uzo. Um, what, what, what he can do um, on that will remain to be seen as well because I think they kind of want to start fresh and new again. And obviously Uzo's some... Some of the old, um, some of the old squads, and um, maybe some of the old negative things that happened in the last few seasons. So um, yeah, it, it's interesting to see. But I fully agree with the with the part about the contracts in general and sports. Um, obviously, we've all watched the last last dance com- um, documentary. So Scott Pippen signed a very bad bad contract, and the Chicago Bulls weren't ready to give him a, a better contract, even though he deserved one. Um, and that happens in football too. So um, when the club then gives a player a very good contract, and um, why would the player go back and say, "Listen, I sign on reduced terms <laughs> unless I'm running out um, of my of my contract." So um, contract is bad, um, given given the circumstance and context. But at the time, if we, if he wouldn't have signed on, it would have been a big big story, and it was it was a big um, positive story for us that he actually signed on. Obviously, it didn't work out um, in the last couple of years since that signature, but yeah, this is this is what happens, and it ties into poor planning. Um, if we'd have signed them on before, or if we'd have sold them for good value, it might have been a different story. Yeah, hundred percent agree on the contract. Hundred percent, honestly. You, you know, people forget this, and that's what drives me insane about this. Is basically, yeah, I mean, you know, it was what three and a half year contract, and it's like a three hundred fifty thousand pound a week. I, I couldn't believe the length of it and the size of it, but you know. It, Arsenal fans were going crazy about how an amazing deal it was and how brilliant it was that he signed. So let's let's kind of you know not 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 forget that. And you know I, I hear different versions you know from 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 within the club about who wanted to drive it, who wanted to you know who who thought it was a good idea, who thought it was a bad idea. But then basically it's just ultimately you're driven to that because Sanchez wanted to go and you had to do business on Sanchez. And the reality was that you should have done business in San, on Sanchez in the August. Yeah, and they, they Arsenal felt that they were messed around by Man City, and then basically Man City probably felt that they were messed around by Arsenal, and it, it just gets you know somewhere in there there's a complete breakdown, and someone should have been a bit more you know a bit stronger on it. 
and then Arsenal were, were, were trapped and then basic Man United seemed the, the, the best, you know, solution. But that deal was an absolute nightmare. To get, Mkhitaryan, you know, to get not a great fee, to get Mkhitaryan, who, who has been a very good player, and he's a very good player, but basically didn't re- they didn't really want him, to be honest with you. And then basically, you know, then having to improve his contract to make it happen. I mean, it was just farcical. If you look back upon that deal, it's just an absolute farce. And then on top of that, you get this monster deal for Meza Ozil. I mean, you know, crikey. If you can't learn lessons out of that, then, then really you are. And, and we are doomed. We are doomed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> if there, if this, this is me and you talking, isn't it? They're basically we're both really like Ozil. <laughs> and then basically, but we're still going, well, you know, because the reality was in, the, in, that, in that December, in that, in that January time, Ozil had good offers from, from, you know, at home and abroad. And then basically, there's, there's no two ways about it. I think people think, oh, kind of, you know, Arsenal got suckered into that. But Ozil would have gone somewhere really good as a free agent. Really, really good. And then basically, he, there's no doubt in my mind. And, and he would have got that, that sort of similar money as well as a free agent, you know, for the reasons we, we took, discussed earlier about William. And that, and that's just it's just life. But the basic Arsenal felt it was, it was you know it was a price worth paying. And three and a half years on, it doesn't really it doesn't that, really feel like right. they've got value for money. And yet here we are saying that we still love Özil. Why? Because we still think there's something there from Özil because he's that magical material midfielder. And I I, I love players like that. I love kind of the different. John, um, I've just got one quick question to ask you before we 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 stop holding you hostage and we let no. you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can talk about Mezzers all day. <laughs> um, David Ornstein reported today that um, following uh, Balogun's um, not going to be extending his contract, and he will be well, he'll leave this summer basically. And I've seen a lot of him in the under 23s mainly just like highlights and clips and he looks like the real deal and he looks like someone that we may regret losing in a few years time i just wanted to know if you had any knowledge as to uh, you know the, the uh you know whether those reports are true from david and you know if if balogun is indeed gonna leave the club this summer I haven't really. I mean, David's a really good mate of mine, so you know, I'm sure. I'm sure that'll be. I'm sure that'll be right. Um, but it's just, again, you've got to find that balance, haven't you? Between, you know, I, I mean, actually, going to see the under 23s is quite. You know, sometimes can be sort of a treat. You know, if you've got young kids and you sort of live fairly nearby, because basically you can kind of, you know, on the other occasion that they're sort of kind of you know, that you can go and see him in the stadium and, and what have you. And then basically, clearly, he's a very big talent. But you are trapped in this in this situation whereby, how can I best explain it? I think, obviously, it's sort of kind of slightly coming into play with Saka. I know the club are, are much more hopeful on, on, on Saka and signing, you know. Um, but I think what, what's an interesting one for, 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 for a club like Arsenal and younger players is that some of the younger players, you know, can be easily on something like three or £4,000 a week, which is great money, please don't get me wrong. But then basically, when, when you're seeing Chelsea signing up a hudson Adoy at 18-19 on £120,000 a week, 
the, the money that then that they can go and get elsewhere is phenomenal as as basically on a, on a small compensation package. It's a bit like Sancho at Man City, you know. Sancho was offered a, a huge deal um, to stay at City. I mean, Arsenal were in the market for Sancho and then basically, you know, we're ready to offer him a, him a huge deal to, you know, to come join them. But then basically it's, you know, what what you can earn elsewhere as a free or as a cheap compensation player, as a, 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 you know, as a young player, you can earn far greater if you exercise your right to, to move, basically. And, and you're kind of caught in the trap there. And so kind of what we're talking about earlier about sort of those letting those deals run down becomes even more of an acute issue for younger players now. And I think you'll see increasingly, you know, the, the sort of kind of younger players, you know, exercising that right, particularly if they feel that they kind of could progress elsewhere. You know, does he feel then that basically he's going to get the opportunities at Arsenal? I feel like as if he, he if he thinks he's going to play lots of games next season, then surely he stays. I think you've got to balance that as a young player. Most are intelligent enough to do so. So I think there has to be an element of kind of, are you going to get the games together with the kind of the feelings of, of, of the finances of the contract? So again, it's kind of probably someone that's caught in the middle. You can be the best, you can be the best young prospect, I think, and sometimes still not make that step up. You have to have the right platform, the coach with the right confidence in you. And basically, if you're not feeling that from all sides... Um, then maybe, you know, because I think you can be a prodigious talent at 18, 19, but then if you're not knocking on the door regularly, which is not at first team level, then I'm sorry, but you, your head is going to be turned if you've spent the last five years being told you're going to be a first team player and you're going to be a huge star, which is the case with him. Agreed, agreed. Um, John, man, I, I really want to thank you for coming on. Like, it's been a it's been a pleasure. Like, I've been following you for such a long time, so it's, uh, it is honestly a great pleasure to talk to you. No, no, thanks so, so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. It's really nice. Same. Enjoyed Same. it. Thank you, John. Thank you. Very Cheers, much. John. Thank no, you. Thank you. Cheers, John. Nice to talk to you guys. Cheers. Take care. Does anybody want breakfast, guys? Let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When I spit bars in a ring, when I go hard, last and tan- Today's episode is brought to you by Clorox. When it counts, trust Clorox the same way we trust essential workers to provide the care they give to us. Families trust Clorox to give them a safe and protected home. Our community heroes trust Clorox to keep places like hospitals and grocery stores disinfected. So I know I too can trust Clorox to provide my home with a safe environment at home we can all enjoy. So I have a story for you, Amanda. Um, with Clorox, there's one thing I definitely use it for. 
every single time before I step into my vanity van. Uh, I love the entire place disinfected because that's where I keep my makeup. Uh, that's where I get ready. That's where my clothes are. That's sometimes where I take a nap as well. So, you know, I can use it all over like time of need. So, um, yeah, it's been really, really, it just keeps everything super clean and I, I feel super safe. For me, it's important to share with loved ones and the public in general how they can give the most care for their loved ones, especially during times like these. I mean, with the pandemic going on, with COVID going on, it's just great to be extra sanitary with all the items that are around you, caring for others, and you know, just wiping down the door handle after you use the bathroom or wiping down so the So important. The toilet. So important. The toilet handle. Don't forget the toilet handle. (laughs) So remember, when it counts, trust trust Clorox. Hello, welcome to another Touchy Gunas podcast. Actually, this is part two. I don't know why I'm doing the intro again. Uh, This is the part two of Touchy Gunas episode. I hope you enjoyed the John Cross uh, interview. Hopefully, we'll be having um, a lot more interviews where they come from. Um, On part two, I'm joined by Dr. Leroy. How you doing? What's good? Welcome back. Yes, up, man. You good? Yeah, yeah, good, good. Well, you know, one four nil, so lots to, <laughs> lots to be happy about. And I, I, I've got Sean as well, who I know is ecstatic about a four nil victory from his boy Arteta. Yeah, it's, it's good, man. Let's keep on winning. <laughs> <laughs> Calm and collected, yeah. Calm and collected. That's um, it, bro. Well, me and Leroy, obviously, we were on. Oh my God, West Ham two one. Wow. Um, me and Leroy were on the uh, Discord together doing the live chat. If you guys haven't actually joined the Discord, you need to get on there because we're doing live chats for the games and it's just really fun. Everyone on there, I think we've got over like 600 members now. Like it's growing really quickly. Everyone loves it. So um, join that and you can tune into our live um, live match shows. Um, so yeah, me and Leroy gave most of our thoughts on, on the game during there. So Sheldon. Um, what was your thoughts on first of all the starting lineup? Obviously, quite a bit of rotation, and second of all, um, our performance. Um, yeah, so so no problems with the rotation. We've got um, five games in just over two and a bit weeks, so naturally everyone will get a bit of a chance. Um, so he kept with the three at the back. Uh, he brought in um, so Sabio started alongside Jaka, and uh, Bellerin came back in, and you had um, Tini at left left full back as well so um it was interesting to see uh obviously you know my boy Nelson he was a bit um he played more of a uh, central role which was interesting I'd, I'd like to know the reasoning behind that but um it helped I guess with a few overloads in the first half as well so we were quite we were quite dominant which was good um I mean Norwich aren't anything to write home about I think apart from Villa they're the worst defensive side in the league so if we can't beat them at home we, we I mean we've got issues anyway but we'd have even bigger issues if we can beat them at home so no we started well passed the ball well um Ceballos was very very good today it was like it was like his second iconic performance after the one where you were ranting against Burnley this season yeah. <laughs> well, so. we got another one at least we got another one in a minute yeah so yeah no so so it was um first 45 it was it was I was saying as well it's the first time in Yonks I've seen us just sustain attack after attack after attack in the first half, which was nice to see. So it was nice to see them pinned back in. And um, it was also nice to see our dominance rewarded with um, two goals as well in the first half. So that was good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, you're right about that. I can't remember the last time that we actually had a, a performance where we were pinning the opposition back. Like, I think it was it was more testament to I don't want to come across as like this negative Norman who you know, you know the performance is good from us 
and one of our better ones. But, um, you know, it, I think it really was testament to how poor Norwich were, the fact that they literally did fuck all. You know, they, they, they barely got into our half. When, when you've got Kalasnats, who is... Like, the, the formation and how we set up is quite... It, it was quite interesting today because Kalasnats was almost playing as, like, a left-back. Then you had, like, Tierney as a left-winger. And then you had Aubameyang as sort of, like, a centre-forward. It was a very attack-minded um, form, formation where we were in possession. Um, Leroy, you're, you're more of the, uh, the sceptic amongst us and maybe against uh, the Arteta regime. I know you like Arteta. Um, mm. But uh, what did you think of the performance today? Well, I feel like I've earned to be... I mean, Arsenal has made me a sceptic over time, but you mm. can't be a sceptic about today's performance because today's performance was surprisingly very good. Um, it's interesting that Arteta has had to now... I know, obviously, it doesn't come exactly like this on the pitch, but had to revert to a back three, similar to every other coach that we've had, um, to try and uh, hide the weaknesses that we have at central defence. But we looked really, really fluid today. Uh, I, I specifically like the um, Ceballos and Shaka tandem today uh, together. I can see why they were used together in midfield. Norwich weren't really offering that much. They didn't really have a very athletic midfield that's going to run all over us. So um, I feel like Ceballos and Shaka really, really bossed the game today. Um, and I felt they were very, very good, particularly Ceballos. Um, we perfect looked really fluid. Ceballos, right? Pardon? Perfect game for Ceballos. Yeah, perfect game for him. Yeah, he had all of the ball. Um, we completely dominated. Um, yeah, we were just sustaining attack after attack. We had all of the ball. Um, and the thing is, having Ceballos in the team makes a massive difference because you could see from today, he makes that pass which really sets off the attack. So he makes that pass which makes the defenders turn around, which is a problem. Um, and not many players in our team do that. Like Shaka makes a different type of pass. He makes a, sort of that penetrative pass from deeper in the midfield into the centre. But Ceballos makes that pass from the centre of the midfield through into the attack to start creating an attacking situation. And he did that so many times. I mean, if Bellerin was a little bit better today, we, yeah. we could have had a couple more goals. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, overall it was a really good, really dominant performance, and we got a little bit lucky with the first goal, obviously with a poor mistake from Tim Krull. Um But just talking about that first goal because um, we've had a few. I think well, Eddie obviously scored the goal the other day, and, mm. but we've had a few of those kind of moments where we're putting pressure on the goalkeeper and they made a mistake. Maybe we've, I think maybe we've only scored like two of them, but we've had a yeah. few of those moments. Is that like, is that, is that a, a strategy from Arsenal that, oh, well, obviously it is a strategy from Arsenal because they're putting pressure on the keeper, but is there something that Arteta should be taking credit for or is it just like crap from the goalkeepers? Is this something that Arteta could be taking credit for and, and, and like a way that he's got us playing? I mean, personally, I think, both of them a bit of a coincidence, but obviously that's me being the sceptic that I am. Mm. But um, in terms of how we're trying to press, Arteta clearly has tried to implement uh, a reasonable pressing formation, making people stand in the right places, making people block off the right passing lanes, um, not standing too close, little things like that, which are making a bit of a difference. It's difficult to sustain because our team just isn't up to it physically. I feel like our team get very, very tired, but in terms of, you can give them credit for, yeah, we're, we're pressing them the right way. Clearly, it's working. But obviously, when we play the better teams, it doesn't work so well. So, how much credit you can give them, I don't know. You have to take that with a pinch of salt. Mm. Yeah. 
Well, let's talk. Let's go through the goals then. So obviously we spoke about the first one, um, which was um, you know a simple mistake and you know the, the, question, the classic question of. And I think that makes a difference. Having there's, it's no coincidence to me that um, uh, Eddie and Obra are the ones who Lacazette hasn't quite got the legs to to be able to do that kind of um, that 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 pressing of the goalkeeper. Um, the the second goal was I'm trying to think of what the second goal was now. Was it Opus first? No, Shaka's, yeah, Shaka's. Yeah, Shaka. Um that that was a very well made goal, I thought. That was like um really well structured. We moved the ball really well. It was a nice pass inside from Abamyang and, and a really cool finish from from Zaka. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a really, really really well constructed goal. Great finish. I mean, everything you said, um, it just, I think that goal kind of epitomised how we played today in terms of our fluidity and our link-up. Um, and we were relatively precise in the final third, Bellerin aside. So, yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, what, is, what do you think, Sean? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I, t- I totally agree with you. I think it, it helps that obviously we had, we had a lot more just general passes in the team today. So, obviously, we know despite um, David Luiz's uh, nightmares at the back, he can distribute well. And obviously the second goal came from a fantastic ball from him over to that side, um, Tobra as well. And then Xhaka <laughs> um, arriving in, in the box, like a box-to-box midfielder, kind of tells you what you need to know about Norwich, to be honest. But um, but yeah, no, 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 it was it was a very well-constructed goal. And, and we found ourselves a lot in promising positions in the first half. Like you said, we were, we were breaking lines very, very often. Um, players were taking up good positions as well. And, and I think um, this is where I say, despite obviously... Um, Reese Nelson probably needing to improve on his his aggressiveness with the, sometimes the ball at his feet. He's um he's another passing option passing option in between the line, and because he's quite technically secure, it, it's um you can easily pass and um, bounce passes back off him as well. So um it, it'd be interesting to see um sort of like our our passing angles and our pass selections after this game sort of the most common passing choices because um first half there there was a lot down his side as well and uh, obviously through Kalasinac and Tierney who's who was always a spare man um due to his the fact he was holding the whip on the left-hand side as well. So it was, it was a nice balance. As you often see with Arteta, he likes one side uh, to be inside and then like one side to be holding the whip. Now, often we've seen um, on Pepe's side, he's the one who's tasked with holding the whip, but um, obviously it's flipped a little bit now. And in this back three formation, Tierney's the one who's playing as a sort of a, a left wing back and he's the one holding the whip. And um, obviously it suits him because his delivery into the ball is fantastic. And then obviously it allows the person playing in on the right to um, station themselves in the field a bit more as well. So, it allows us for a bit more of a technical overload, um, but also keeping um, nice positions on the pitch as well. Mm. The the, four, the third goal came from another Norwich defensive mistake, but Aubameyang does what he does best. You know, nice, cool finish. Uh, 19 league goals this season in 27 games. I think his record is 51 in 78 for us, which, I mean, is... Is legend status numbers, if, you know, F- if, fastest pl- Arsenal player to reach fifty league goals in it. So I mean, ahead of like, he was like a good few games faster than Henri as well. So, yeah. and considering our lack of creativity, what does that tell you? So yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, if, we're, gonna, we're gonna miss him, right? Well, his first half season, he came in and banged out, banged out. Thirteen, I think it was. First then, half of the season. then the second season, he joint wins jointly the Golden Boot. Mm-hmm. This season, he's in the position, this joint top for the Golden Boot again. I just think that that's been in, in an Arsenal team that's poor and an Arsenal team that's been getting worse, and now we're comfortably mid table, and I think deservedly so. Don't create chances to, at all. 
to put to put out those numbers is sensational. Uh, since I mean, I can't even I can't say enough superlatives about Aubameyang and how good he is. So we are really going to miss him. Um, I know a lot of people. There's this debate about should we give him three hundred bags and um, put him in an, another Ozil situation. I'm sorry, he Ozil's not done in terms of production what Aubameyang's done. So I don't even think that's a fair comparison from the jump. You, you've got to think what Aubameyang's done deserves that three hundred grand, even if he produces that for one more season and then really kind of tells off what he's done so far. I feel like he's deserving of that big contract. He so truly you would give him the done. contract. Yeah, I'd give him the contract. Okay, I'm quite but surprised thing, to hear that from you because it's not a good, it's not a great business selection. I don't think it's not a great business decision. But what I'm weighing up is how much is it going to cost you to replace him? Yeah, Aubameyang. We're not going to get a guarantee. I mean, I know myself and yourself, we're looking at Jonathan David. You put me onto him and I'm thinking, yeah, he looks very good. Yeah, but that's not a guarantee. Player. He's not yeah. guaranteed to score. So no. if we're going to replace Bamiang, you're looking at at least, what, 40 mil? 50 mil? Yeah. Exactly. How, how much is that contract going to cost you over, well, that 300k contract, what's that, 18 mil a year um, for three years? So that's okay. Um, I'm not great at maths on the head. But, 18 um, mil for three years? It's like 54 years or something. Mil. Yeah. So... 54 mil, um, that's going to, in wages and stuff, that's going to cost you at least that much to replace him. Mm. The thing is, if you can retain him at least, then try and build with some younger players around him so you've future proofed the team and then springboard to at least use him to try and get you back in the Champions League. I yeah. think that's your best bet. Well, I mean, look, we're, we're linked with Depay this, uh, today, yeah. earlier today. And uh, Depay is. He's not. He's never gonna. He's never gonna replicate the goal scoring that. Um, and I don't know where you guys would see him fitting in. Is he? Is he? Is he a Lacazette replacement, or is he gonna come from? Or is he gonna play in your Bamyang position that wide? But what you're gonna to replace a Bamyang, you're probably gonna have to buy two players, right? Because you're gonna need to fill the goal gap by buying two players who can score goals. Yeah. You're gonna find one person. I don't think. I don't. Put, I don't think we're gonna sign a player who's gonna come in and slap thirty goals a season. I think you're gonna have to do it. With two players, yeah, probably that's going to cost more than fifty-four million. Of course. So, like Depay, they're talking what maybe twenty-five. So yeah. you get Depay. Does he play up front? Does he play left wing? I don't mm. know. Um, maybe he plays with Aubameyang. I don't know. Um, because uh, Arteta said after the the game that um, I can't remember what the quotes were, but something along the lines of Aubameyang wants to stay. Um, Sean, did you did you read anything into those comments? Yeah, he's, he's, he seemed quite positive and obviously he was positive about Saka and thankfully we've got him to sign now as well. Mm. Um, I, it's, it's interesting. I, th- I think Aubameyang's probably waiting to see how we end the season. Um, irrespective of that, i probably take a different approach to you and Leroy. I, I get totally where you guys are coming from in terms of um, the replacement of the, of the goal production. I, I kind of see it as well. We're going through a rebuilding process anyway, and and for me, I'm very keen on rebuilding the whole midfield. I, I think that's that's Arsenal's biggest area of priority. If if we need to, if we're just looking to improve, like do you know what I mean. So I, I come from the standpoint of we had uh, defenders like Sender Ross, Juru, Clichy, and Bue, who were all horrific themselves, but obviously that they, they 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 survived a lot because we had a midfield that could sustain and retain pressure high up the pitch as well. So so we allowed them, and and so that so my kind of thinking is if we can get back to a team that's um, creating a high volume of chances, um, we can get to a point where maybe anybody anybody can score. And I know obviously it's a risk, um, but I think there's there's risks either way. So I think there's a risk in giving Oba 
300k even though he's a guaranteed goal scorer but we don't know how long he's going to sustain that for so it just depends where you'd like to put your money and um, for me I would like to spend the bulk of our money this summer in terms of getting the right technically um, and athletically proficient midfielders that can help to elevate Arsenal back up so so yeah starting with party and then uh, moving towards some some better technicians as well. Mm. See while I hear that my thing is the goal scorers make any team any team is made by your attack like you can have the best midfielders in the world if you don't have the attackers, it's not going to work. The attackers are the most important part of the team. And if you've got a striker who can score you that many goals, right? Exactly. If you have a striker that can score you that many goals, it, it, it's worth spending the money on. So, like, all I think about is, do you remember back in the day that Napoli team that had Cavani, Levetsi and Hamsik? Yeah. All them three up front. Yeah. The, the rest of their team, I mean, it proves over time, but originally that team was trash. Mm. But, that front three just banged and it just mm. carried them very, very fast. So I feel mm. like we need to make sure that we're not going to be able to... We have fallen so much in terms of our clout. We're not going to be able to attract the type of forward that's going to score us goals or going to keep us there in and around the top four. So the fact that we have one who's arguably one of the best goal scorers in the league, or at least top three, letting him go if he's willing to stay, I feel like is a misstep. I, I, I hear you and it, it is a big risk I, I, I'm even admitting it it's, it's a risk especially when you've got someone you know consistently bags 30 goals year in year out as well so um, but yeah I, I think in, in football sometimes you've just you've just got to move on like, in, like how I've always been is that there's always somebody new and obviously it would be folly to bank on some of the young strikers to, to gum could because they, they might not and it might be a complete risk so but that that's kind of the avenue I would I would seek to take on on this going forward personally. So I, you, I, okay. I would. Sorry, well, sorry. No, well, let me just finish. I, yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Carry on. No, no, no. I was I was just going to say the only way I would do it, um, the Oba deal, is if we could get Urzel off the wage bill, and then I would commit the wages to Aubameyang. But if we can't do that, then I I wouldn't do it personally. Get on that GoFundMe then, because. <laughs> <laughs> The, the, the risk one way, though, all right, so you've got to think of uh, the balance of risk, right? So let's say we give Oba the money. Um, he, he scores, you know he's going to score well for like half a season, one season, then he flops for two seasons, right? Um, okay, we've got that money on our wage bill and it hamstrings us from then progressing further. The risk the other way, we lose a Bamian, we buy someone who's nowhere near as good, who's not going to be able to score goals. I don't really trust them to build the midfield regardless in one season. And then we fall off a cliff and we really fall into mid-table mediocrity. And we've got no other pieces that are going to attract other people to play with. So I feel like on the balance of risks, that's, that's, that's the worst option. But I, I understand like people want to, would want to come and play with Aubameyang as well. Exactly. I feel like he's, he's, he's built that kind of superstardom now where, you know, he, people know that he is a certified shooter. They want to be on Aubameyang's side. You know, he's, he's that, He's that level of influence for us now. Um, I, I guess the other thing to think about is if is is he going to fall off a cliff in a year's time? I don't think. I so. think that's worst case scenario, personally. It is worst case, yeah. Because um, his game isn't as reliant on pace as we thought it'd be. He's still quite explosive, um, like getting away from markers and stuff like that. But very rarely is he getting chances where it's. You know, he's running onto things in behind where he has to rely on like electric pace. Yeah. A lot of his goals are just, uh, I know obviously his goal today was, you know, he 
he shut down the goalkeeper. Good work rate, and obviously he's a, he's a he's a quick lad. Um, but I don't I don't really see Aubameyang falling off a cliff in a year's time. The only thing would be, yeah. if he, but he's, he's remained very. I mean, he plays practically every game for us, right? Mm. Like he, even even now during this thing, like he's he's playing every game. You know, he's been a model professional. He's got contract issues, but he's given hundred percent every game. Passion merchant, me, yeah, obviously I enjoy all that shit. But like that kind of attitude and that mentality. I can see him going for another two or three years. I think it could be money well spent. I really do. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I, I don't disagree with the approach. I'm just, I'm just thinking if we have finite resources, just how we're going to allocate them and, and how better to use them. So that that would be sort of my my slight disagreement on that. But but yeah, I mean, if he stays, happy days in it. Do you know what I mean? So. Mm. But I'm just um, I'm just trying to see where where we can get marginal gains elsewhere in the squad as well. So, but yeah, the fourth goal um, debut from Cedric. Finally, we got to see him. It's only taken seven months. Um, yeah. He's come on and he's he's put one in the in the bottom corner. Um, he's someone I wanted to start today because I mean we've been very vocal for a long time about fucking Bellerin, and you know he was he was one of two negatives for me today. Um, Sean, you probably know who the other one is, but um, he was one of two negatives for me today, and um, I think we need to phase that lad out of the team ASAP. And if if he doesn't want to go with Maitland now, then he has to go with Cedric, because um, I know it wasn't much to go off today, but he's obviously he's, he's, he's put one he's put one in there. We we didn't see anything from him today. We didn't see anything from him today, but I found to believe that. He isn't better than what Bellerin is offering up right now. Like he must be. He he absolutely must be. Yeah. So I I don't I don't think um yeah I I mean I totally agree in terms of we we need to start getting Bellerin out of here. It 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 was frustrating me so much after Leroy mentioned earlier. Like a lot of the approach play in the first half was so good because obviously Nelson was tucked in. Like literally Bellerin had the freedom of the right flank in the first half and. Um, even at points in the second half, and you're like, the final ball was just awful every single time, and he was labouring to get there. And I'm like, come on, like, because Cedric, I don't think he's a is a massively explosive player, but what he is, he he looks, he's technically quite secure. He, he looks a lot better on the ball, like he's not treating the ball like a hot potato like Bellerin does. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm 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 ready to start seeing to start seeing Cedric. I mean, in an ideal world, I'd like Hazley Maitland-Niles to be serious in that position, but. We all know that's that's quite unlikely. So yeah, for me, um, Cedric to get the nod, the nod when he's when he's fully fit, obviously. And also, Bellerin started today. No, Ainsley started the other day, so it's, it's maybe Bellerin played like four or five games. Like the rotation yeah. thing, I didn't really get it. Maitland-Niles only played one game. Maitland-Niles, I think there was wasn't it? There was these issues that saying he didn't really want to play at right back, and um, then he started he playing play a few games in midfield. He ain't gonna play in midfield though. He's not. He's not but that, is that what it is? He's not going to play. Yeah, he's, but he's, he's not happy. So we really only have one fit right back until Cedric's really up and raring to go. Mm. Yeah, I, I took I took his inclusion at right back the other day as a kind of admission that okay, this is where my future lies. Nah, not nonsense, man. No? He just he's just employed Sterling's ex agent, Rob. He, he's looking to go. It's it's, it's yeah. Yeah, sorry. It's it's a shame, man. Because, like I said, because of the way Bellerin is going at the moment, like this is the perfect opportunity. I mean, we've said it before, but because um, it's interesting now, I I definitely think 
Bellerin is one of those guys we should look to shift in the summer. Um, I don't know how much you guys think we could get for him, but he needs to be. He needs to be out. Well, the PSG right? linked, right? If we Were they? Them for twenty mil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I would take it in a heartbeat. To be fair, I would take anything, practically anything PSG throw at us because Bellerin is another one. He's on big wages. What's he? Hundred k minimum. Is he on? That no match? idea. He must be. Surely he signed a contract extension recently, didn't he, Bellerin? Like in two thousand eighteen, maybe he must be picking up. Like yeah, I mean, I I I, 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 money, I would I would shift him on twenty five. He's got um good age. He's probably still got stock in the continent. He could probably guard Jordan and have a decent career still, wouldn't it? Do you know Paris what I mean? So, in Paris Fashion Par- Week every year. Yeah, and same same with Milan as well. Hopefully, Gazidis. One hundred and ten a week apparently. What Bellerin? Yeah, oh, you, need to, you need to you need to get rid of him, bro. Yeah, hundred percent. It's nuts that we we could have that if Bellerin isn't our first first right back. Kalasnats isn't our first choice left back, and we're spending 250k a week on those two alone. It's it's the blooming. Word, that's terrible. It's insane, and they're probably not even our, our best fullbacks. And 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 it's fullback as well, by the way. It's not like it's centre mid or you know. Uh, I, I know we rely on our fullbacks, and you know, if you want to give Kirantini 100k a week, then I'm I'm absolutely fine with it because he looks quality. But Bellerin and Kalasnats, nah, gotta go. Got to yeah. go, man, because that is insanity, absolutely insanity. Um, but yeah, if 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 PSG wanna, you know, do what Paris Fashion Week with Bellerin and do all them kind of marketing campaigns, then I'm happy for him to go. He's he's, he's been a good servant for us, so he has. But I, I I don't see any club being silly enough to pay a significant fee for Bellerin, especially in the COVID pandemic. I don't I just don't see it happening. How much do you think we can get? Fifteen, twenty more. Um, I mean, we didn't pay anything for him, so it's profit no, anyway. We didn't pay anything. I think fifteen, twenty mil was calm. Like Eastern in this current climate, obviously, if this was before COVID, you'd probably get a lot more. But um, at the moment, I just don't see who really needs a right back as well. I mean, the only thing I can see, but even though he's Catalan, is obviously Lundu um, got rid of Archaf. They'll need a Hakimi. They'll need a backup. But PSG just got rid of Mounier. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't see him going to, to Madrid because of, like you said, the Barcelona links in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, P- PSG would make... I, I just feel like Milan, because Gazidis is the sort of player who... It's sort of man who will just spunk silly money on, like, players who are finished. So... Mm. Yeah, yeah he's got a reputation of doing that, ain't he? He's got a reputation of doing that. Um, what else, to, what oh, yeah. else there to talk about today? So, obviously, we've gone through the goals. Um... Oh yeah, so yeah, sorry. The other disappointment that I was going to talk about was I I felt Nelson was pretty poor today. Um, you might disagree with me, Sean, but I feel like these games are, especially games like today where we um, where we have so much of the ball, um, everything's going our way. We were sustaining attacks one after another. These are the sort of games where you would want Nelson to step up to the plate and show what he's about. And maybe he did, and that's what all he's got at this level. Maybe I, I, I didn't think he was bad. I thought he was tidy. He wasn't like overly exciting. I, I totally take that as well. But um, I don't really know if that was his role in the team to to, to be. Maybe it wasn't, and maybe I'm just being a bit too defensive. And maybe maybe he wasn't great. I mean, I thought Lacazette was horrendous. <laughs> that's that's who we're not focusing on. Expect it from Lacazette, isn't it? Well, Lacazette cost fifty m's. So we're talking about people that have got to go because what he's like 50 M's, nearly 200 bags a week, and he doesn't deliver a single thing. 
Nketiah comes on every game and looks a, a million times better than him. So yeah. I think that's telling. Yeah. How much are we going to get for Lacazette? Wow. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. There still seems to be a market for him, which I'm surprised about. The, the thing is, every game he's playing, his stock is diminishing. Every game. Because every game, he looks worse every game. Yeah. This is the thing about playing him. Like, you know, you know when uh, the old thing of like, oh, play a player into form. It's gone past that for Lacazette now, isn't it? It's like yeah. we're playing him to the extent where we may even be, um, you know, putting teams off signing him. Like, the more teams are looking at him, they're like, fucking hell, is he really done? You know, and maybe, maybe Arteta's onto something now with just sort of like playing Ketia, you know, phase Lacazette out and just um, try and hold his value that way if possible. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I, I reckon he'll end up at like Sevilla or yeah. something, man. What's your thoughts on Nelson Leroy? I, 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 he was poor, like poor. Um, with Nelson, so on the left side, we had Aubameyang who was playing the inside forward. Uh, we had Lacazette up top. So Nelson's supposed to be the one who um, creates isolation and 1v1 situations and beats his man. Now, there were a good few times he stood up his man against Norwich and he just didn't do anything. He was not aggressive. He was just... Walking around, not walking around, but he just he just felt there was no intensity to his game. Um, and I think you said something on the Discord, and it's perfectly right. He played it like he's playing an under twenty one game or a, a youth team game, just no intensity whatsoever. And you'd expect the youth players to really have it. Like when Eddie comes on, he makes some silly decisions yeah. sometimes, but you can see his enthusiasm and he's got the bit within his teeth. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that from Nelson at all. And yeah. if you're not going to do that and you're not going to make the difference really in any single way, shape or form, I just don't see the point of having you on the pitch. It's just like you're carrying a spare man, especially in an attacking position where you've got to do something. Um, so I just think if you compare him to Saka, and Saka's probably got, he's got a lot more of a basic game, I should say, even though he does the basics a lot better and more correctly, but he doesn't have any, any frills or bells and whistles to his game. It's just night and day between the two. Mm. Yeah, and, and like, Nelson has been that kind of, like, poster boy of youth football. You know, he's had that reputation. Saka, I know Saka is obviously a, a highly rated youngster. He has to be coming through the, the academy at Arsenal. But he never really had that reputation of Nelson. And it's uh-huh. just interesting to see how they've, they've both adapted to um, uh, senior football. Is there something in it to say that maybe Nelson's... Um, Nelson's reputation as a as a youngster is that is that hampering him in first team football? Does he feel like maybe you know he's had it his he's had it his own way pretty much his whole career? Is there something to say about that maybe? Who knows? Who knows? But he clearly doesn't have the same kind of mentality that a lot of the other young kids have. So, um, and I I mean I've heard from people that he does think he's big time. So who knows? Really? Yeah. Which, and that, 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 that wouldn't surprise me. If you, you, you know, if you've been the hottest thing in England since at, at 14 years old or whatever. Oh, my God, I think that's a pen. No? Oh, yeah. Um, if, you're, if you've been, like, the hottest young prospect in England since you've been, like, 14 years old. Yeah. I, I guess it comes with the territory, doesn't it? Um, let's 
Uh, was there anything else you guys want to talk about the game? I think I thought Emmy Martinez was really good again. Um, he's been solid for us. Yeah, he's he's. Um, I was a bit worried at first when he when he came in, but he was he was good on the weekend. Um, I, I, th- I, th- I think like outfield players though, sometimes goalkeepers just need a run of games as well. Like and mm. and I, I said I said to I was saying to Leo earlier, I just think this run with Leno being injured, it will just suit him. Like, do you know what I mean? Just to just to know he's being picked for like every single three days. Like and he's and he's been decent. He's been he's been assured in his handling, his kicking is unreal. Um his distribution is fantastic. So no, I think he's been good. And it, it's good to know that if he comes through this period unscathed that we've got a solid number two behind us. And he's also homegrown in it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. we've got a lot of areas we need to address. So that will just be one we can tick off and just be like, do you know what? Area's fine, isn't it? Solid. We'll How long has he got left on his contract? Oh, I, I checked this the other day. So I think it's till 2023. So he's got ages. Oh, okay. Uh, so he's still got his he's I, I thought his contract was running down, but it, it wasn't because um, there was a lot of talk about bringing Fraser Forster in as like the backup goalkeeper, but I don't know. I don't know if Martinez was maybe making moves to go. I so know. I no, I I do remember seeing at the start of the season something about I can't remember. Emery said something about after his loan, they said they'll just try and promise Martinez more minutes and stuff. So, mm. um, so obviously he's hung about because he's played for Argentina a couple of times, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? And really? he's not even. Yeah, yeah, Emmy Martinez. Yeah, he's played for Argentina a couple of times, and he's not even. That Argentina must be well. Well, well I mean, the other goalkeeper is Sergio Romero, isn't it? So, <laughs> so yeah, so. I, I mean, He's he's done all right, man. He's done all right. I'm I'm happy I'm happy for him in it. Do you know what I mean? Because he's been at Arsenal. He's Arsenal's longest serving. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. Arsenal isn't it? time. He's gonna have so, a testimonial soon. Yeah. <laughs> and he's still in goalkeeping terms, young in it. So yeah, yeah 25, 26. So he's, he's mm. got he's got time on his hands, man. So yeah, yeah, big big him up. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Kieran Tierney was great, solid again. Like he's, I I I, I really love that kid, man. I really <laughs> love him. Like he's just. He does everything for me. He's um, I know this is coming across as really Brexit, but you know, fuck he's it, a proper I, Brexit player. I, don't give a shit, <laughs> I made a comment. I said on the Discord, I think, like, even though we were wearing short sleeves today, it's like he's like he plays football with his with his sleeves rolled up still, even though he's wearing short sleeves. It's like, you know, yeah, he's yeah. Just, you know, he's just a he's a good lad, just wants to play football, go home, get get that solid seven out of ten on uh, under his belt, and then and then. That's, <laughs> He just does everything so well. Put his feet up with the digestives and a cuppa. <laughs> yeah, the iron brew. Iron brew on deck after the game. Um, yeah. yeah, no, he's just... That is a great signing. And, you know, what? we can we can, we can, we can criticise the board for, you know, for everything. But that is... I think that's going to be a stellar signing for us in years to come. Yeah, I reckon we'll end up selling. <laughs> Probably. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's, still, he's, he's 23, so... Yeah, potentially we could have him as our starting left back for the best part of the next decade. But yeah, yeah. you're right. You could, I mean, if we if we continue in mid table, I'm sure bigger teams, or better teams, teams in a better position us will be will be really looking at him because he is like the complete kind of fullback, isn't he? Great going forward, very solid defensively. Doesn't yeah. do anything wrong. Yep, definitely. Um, other positives, there. I guess Jack Jacko was quite good again. Um. Like we mentioned him and Sabayos. Sabayos did his thing. A couple, a couple nice games, but a couple of nice moves. But obviously, um, the perfect, the perfect game for him. Um, let me move on to some listeners' questions then before we wrap this up. Then um, we got quite a lot from our Discord, so I'll prioritise the Discord stuff since they're the. Uh, um, uh, where are we? Right. Okay. Um, 
Ivan Ivanalo asked, uh, "What would your starting lineup be um, for the game against Wolves on the weekend?" So I'll start with you, Sean. Um, I think he will match up like how he did with Sheffield United. You know, I think we'll continue with the three at the back again. Um, I think he'll try and match up Wolves. Um, I would like to see Ainsley back in instead of Bellerin. Um, would keep Tierney left wing back. Um, actually, wait. Now I've said that, it'll be interesting if he does keep the three because then where will Saka play? Because Saka mm-hmm. was completely rested today, so I'm, I'm assuming he will come back in. Pepe will come back in. Oba will play. Um, he likes the way Eddie presses from the front, so I'm not sure how he plans to incorporate all of them. Maybe he might. Tierney maybe centre back, Saka left wing. Yeah, he, he. I was thinking he might put Tierney left centre back, and he might put Saka left wing back. And then um, I, I really hope it's a shame because obviously Torreira is still not fit. So I'm really hoping that he, he's back soon because he would be great for these sort of games as well. So, um, yeah, he's probably going to go Xhaka Ceballos again. Or he might go Xhaka Willock. Um, Willock a bit more physical. Um, so he might go with that. And then uh, Oba, Pepe and then Ketia up top, I'm assuming. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think... I think... Yeah, I, I think the only question mark for me would be in the middle, as you said. Like, yeah. I don't know which, which way you'd go. Um, you well, go. because, because yeah. sorry, yeah, sorry, just to say, obviously, uh, Arteta was asked about, after the game about Gwendouzi again, and he said nothing's changed. Was he out of the squad week. today, was he? He was not in the squad again, so him and Ozil. Yeah, so <laughs> like the fourth time Gwendouzi's been like exiled from Arsenal, and it's just like. I, I, I think what, whatever it is, it seems pretty serious that the coach has just been like, yeah. And he's probably going to be the biggest casualty from a sales perspective this summer. Mm-hmm. The one we look to try and make, well, try and get as much money as possible as we can from, I reckon. Yeah. Leroy, what about yourself? What, what team would you go against? Wolves? So the thing about Wolves is they're strong, they're fit, they're athletic, um, and they can really run. So my concerns would be, like I said, he's probably still going to go the back three and I would just to help protect the centre-backs because that's going to be necessary. Um, so I would go a sim- exactly the same back five that you guys are going. Um, so David Luiz, Mustafi, well, I'll go Kalazmach, Tierney, and then oh, um, I'll bring in Andy yeah? Yeah, and Niles as well. Um, mm-hmm. Kalazmach, obviously, he's got his flaws, but he's a physical guy mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be needed. Then... I would actually go 5-3-2. So I would play the two up front of um, Eddie and Oba. Um, and then I would bring in Ceballos and Shaka because I think Ceballos is going to be very important for our creation. And even though I'm not the, his biggest fan, I would actually bring in Willock just for the legs. In you that would not three. play Saka at all? No, nah, I wouldn't play Saka at all from the start. Mm. Um, I wouldn't play Saka at all from the start. I'd probably bring him on at a later date, but... A later time, but I would um, try and make sure I go with a good, solid, compact midfield that's not going to get overrun. And I would go with uh, the back five, and I would go with both Eddie and Aubameyang. It's interesting because Wolves always do the back three. Sometimes they flip between the three-four-three and the three-five-two. So sometimes yeah. they'll have the two like wide forwards either side of Jimenez, but sometimes they just play a front two of um, Jota and Jimenez as well. So it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see, like you said. It's, mm. it's, it's going to be a tough game. It's, oh, it's, really it's hard. I, I, I really don't see us coming away from that because, phys- as, as Leroy said, athletically, they blow us out of the water. They're such a... They're like... like We spoke about Sheffield United being like a watered-down Wolves. Wolves are so... They're, they're a much, much better version. And they actually score a lot of goals. 
and they're and they're solid and they create a lot of chances as well in transition yeah. uh, so we will need like you'll probably do you know what in fact I, I pretty much agree with you right now you probably need um Kalasinac and Tini up against Adama Traore to be fair yep Wow, because you can't have Tini and Saka down that side against yeah, it's him. True, I think, I think they'll get destroyed. I think, yeah, I think you need Kola, Kalasinac, and Tini, both of them. Yep, okay. Um, let me get another question. Um, okay, oh, uh, this is from Wavy. He asked, Where do you where do you think Saka will play the majority of his football for, for Arsenal in the future? So obviously, um, big news today, Saka signed a contract, which is huge news for us because um, I think we mentioned before that arguably alongside Aubameyang, some might even say the extension of Saka is even more important than the Aubameyang extension. Um, so it's very important that he signs. Um, where do you guys see Saka playing the majority of his Arsenal career? I think it's a tough one, right? Because there's three positions that he's that he that he stakes a very valid claim for, but because Tierney's obviously our settled left back, I don't really see that position being his main utilization. Um, what where where do you guys see him? Is he is he going to be in the wider role or centrally? Thing for me about Saka is uh, I I like Saka as a talent. I like Saka as a talent. I think he's got so many good qualities. I just feel he's not quite up to it to be at the top level in the front three. Um, I don't think he's got enough to his game. With that, yeah, yeah, I'm still sticking with that. I've, I've said that from the beginning. What do, you think it would, what do you think it would need to happen for you to change your mind on that? He'd have to. So I've I've even said this before. I think for, for me to change my mind on that, he would have to develop physically to the point where he's still got his quite basic but good game, which is very good. But he develops like a Mane-like physique. Mm. So if he was became sort of Mane physically over time, because he's still a very young boy and grown into himself, then all of a sudden that changes because he become a, 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 he become very very dangerous. Mm-hmm. But even though he's got like a little bit of explosiveness, I don't think he quite has. He's not devastating enough to be in that final third. Mm-hmm. That's where the left centre mid thing becomes very interesting because a lot of his qualities would be very very good in that position if he were to learn that position well. Mm-hmm. And I thought he can be an elite left back, but we've got Tierney there. He could be a very, very good left central midfielder or attacking midfielder um, because he's he's got a lot. He's got the final ball. He's got the deftness of touch. He's got the awareness. He's got the intelligence. So he could do very well in that position. So if he's going to be at Arsenal and if Arsenal are where we want them to be, I think it has to be at left centre mid. Um, but if we are a mid-table team, we could definitely play at left wing um, for the remainder of his career for Arsenal. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be inclined to agree. I mean, I've said a lot of stuff about Saka and I've been wrong every time, so I'm inclined to just to keep shut, to be honest. Um, I would. So while I, I agree, like I don't think he has as much cuteness to his game to, to be a top-class winger, um, I would like to see him tried as the guy who just holds the whip as well, um, and just and just stands up his marker one one v one as well. Um, we've seen it for, uh, at left back when he's just stood up his marker a few times and he's gone at them, and he's either beat them or he's just, or he's just sort of taken that one in step and, and crossed it as well. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing him tried there. Um, I would I think just because I think yeah yeah I, I I think he deserves a chance. Let, let's let's see let's see how he does it um, because I, I didn't. Wrong. Yeah, I would love to be proven wrong. 
because I was wrong about him anyway. So mm. I could be proven more wrong. And um, But yeah, the, the left centre mid, as Leroy said, is interesting because he has a lot of Di Maria-like qualities from there as well. So And, and, and that was the, the obvious comparison that was made recently when he did when he did play there as well. Um, Decision-making in the final third um, as he, he sort of starts inwards, but he dribbles outwards. So obviously that allowed Aubameyang to come inside and take up more central positions as well. So... Um, so, so he, he it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. It was Arteta was asked today, um, where does he see Saka playing? He said, I have an idea, but he said over the next year I will experiment and then I will probably settle down after a year. So he's got in his mind got where he sees Saka playing. I'd love to know where, but he said he's probably gonna he said it's good for Saka to be versatile for now. Um the S E A U X I don't know what that name is, but um, he <laughs> asked, uh, are y'all having Cantwell? I heard he grew up as a gooner. We discussed it a bit on the Discord. Me and Leroy discussed it on the Discord earlier. Um, Sean, you're, you're a fan of Cantwell, right? Yeah, I, I think Cantwell's a nice player, but I, I, I don't think he's the level, like, do you know what I mean? So I think, I think he's a very nice, tidy player, but I do not think he's Arsenal level, and I don't even see him growing to Arsenal level. Um, so, yeah, I... And I'm obviously I'm very keen to get more technicians in, and he's quite decent technically, but no with a decent either. level of athleticism. Like, yeah. like, like I said, if you compare him to Grealish, it's, it's not in my opinion, it's just night and day. Grealish mm. is, uh, carries a lot more um, better ball carrying qualities over a longer distance, and athletically, he's, he's a lot more suited to, in my opinion, to, to what we would need. So yeah. Okay. Um, Nero, you, you're you're similar, right? Yeah, I, I think Cantwell is technically of the level, but athletically is not there. Um, and I don't think he's going to get that. And like I said, modern football is changing. Um, he, 10 years ago in the Raquel May era, I think, yeah, you, you bring Cantwell in. But now I, I just feel like, I know he even posted some stuff about his career. He's got a lot of, he's been too slow, too small. But I just think, yeah, a bit too slow and a bit too small, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I think today was like um, an opportunity for him to, you know, not to say that this game was, you know, his one and only audition. We all know Cantwell was a top player. I think a good player. Um, I think me and um, we were we saw we saw him the first day of um, the Premier League, and we were like, right, who's this, you know, fucking um, comfy bumpkin uh, playing for Norwich? You know, he, he looks <laughs> he looks he looks quality. So, um, but yeah, just there's something about like he just looks there lightweight and quite easy to play again very nice though very nice like technically and smooth he's a he's a smooth operator but to go to the next level, i wouldn't mind him in the squad as someone just to, you know but i don't know what does he what does he really do you know maybe a bit similar to sabayas i can't believe i'm saying that but but and um, and, and also do you want to pay over 30 million for no, a squad no, player you're kind of like no do you what know what about mean? max Aaron's then again a little bit too small even though i like him mm. but to be honest, the thing is, it really depends on the makeup of your team. So if we've got on that right side, we've got Saliba, and if we get another centre back that's relatively good in the air, you could have it. But Arsenal are very vulnerable in the air. Mm. So for us, I'm, I'd, I'd like someone who's just a bit more, a bit more certified. That area. If Bellerin goes, and it, I, I mean, Maitland Niles doesn't want to. Around, then I guess we have to be in the market for a right back, don't we? Of course, of course we do. But I feel like as well, the amount that um, Max Aaron's would cost, mm. 
there's just it's just not really it's not really worth it. We don't really mm. right back is a position you shouldn't really be spending that much money. No, fullback. Fullback, you shouldn't be spending that much money on it unless you've got like a Tierney who yeah. is clear as day. One British homegrown, two you is going to be a very good player, and three you're going to have lots of upside. I don't see a spent why because the the fees quoted for Aaron's 30, 40 mil, just ridiculous. Mm. We shouldn't really. They're be not going to get that though. Who's going to? Well, gonna but you do know. Um, Spurs, but Spurs had a thirty million bid accepted for him last summer, in it, but he chose to stay at Norwich. Um, just because he wanted to have a season in the Prem with Norwich, so oh, it'd be interesting. Back into him now. Spurs got a right back, Oria. So they probably will. And the thing is, think about it. Aaron Bissaka went for fifty-five mil. It's true. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Carl Walker went for fifty odd mil. And like, I don't think he's as good as as those two. Either way, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, the thing is, he's got different yeah. points, but for, 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 for an attacking side, wan is not offering enough down forward, isn't it? So Aaron's probably yeah. offers more than him down forward, isn't it? So, yeah, he, so he probably... He, he does, but he's not as good. Like, what, what Aaron wan does have is that... Um, that Elite defensive work. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he's, he's, got, he's got a world-class area of his game. I'm not sure much on but I guess it, it goes to that age-old debate of like, what do you want from your fullbacks, right? Mm. Is like, you know, you, you, would you rather a fullback who is seven out of ten going forward and four out of ten at the back, or you know, eight out of ten at the back, but you know, three out of ten going forward? It's that kind of debate, right? And and what kind of team you're building? Um, uh, let's have a look. Um, that guy underscore Bell. Do you think we need to cash in on Reese Nelson or be more patient? Uh, cash in yeah I agree <laughs> quids in private drinks <laughs> yeah so no, I'm guessing you're going to be uh, more of the going down the patient route boy I, I, I have a bet with Leroy so I have <laughs> you've got no options. I have to be more patient I have to be more patient Wait, what but did you guys bet our, our bet is basically is that um, I said to Leroy Reese Nelson will be at a top six club in England or equivalent by 2022 and Leroy said no so I, obviously, I've got Does I've got two years. Arsenal? Does that include Arsenal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So top yeah. six club, including us. Yeah, top so six club. So say Arsenal, he's just not playing. Like, what happens then? I wouldn't have bet because Leroy yeah. said he'd get sold by then. <laughs> I said he'd been, I, it was within three years of when we so three years mm-hmm. of, and we'd done that bet at the beginning of this season. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we've done the bet. So it was 2019. So 2000. This season, next season, season after. that he'll be in the squad, just not playing any. He'll, he'll be like 25 years old, still playing under 23. 40. I'll take it. I'll take it. That's a slimy bet, still, but yeah. I'll take it. Now, as well, I, I think we need to cash in, and I think we'll we'll sell him at some point. Mm. Okay, uh, H. Suthers says, uh, take logistics out of the question. In 10 years' time, would you prefer to stick with a team with a similar quality as it is now or focus solely on youth with no transfers incoming with the likes of a 28-year-old Saka and Ketia Willock leading that charge but occupy a lower mid-table stand in the league? What? Yeah, man, what kind of question is this, question? I don't know why I read out that question. What? H. Suthers, <laughs> what are you speaking about? Oh, mate. Next so question. He says, I have yeah, no yeah. attachments to the team apart from the youth prospects. I mean, no, I bet no. you'd feel attachments to the team if we bought some world-class players and they actually started performing at a world-class level. Allah. Um, Man basically just said, are, do you want us to be shit or do you with want us you, to try and be good? With, with, uh, home, uh, with, with homegrown lads. With bro, lads. listen, I, as I want us to do as well as possible. If you players do well, that's great, bro. But listen, 
the, the ideal situation is that these men end up being squad players and we buy good players and get better, bro. <laughs> big, bro. Shocking question, hate others. Uh, let, me, let me do a couple more good ones before... Um, uh, okay, uh, Sam E underscore 91. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, Memphis to pay yay or nay? No. Okay. I'm not opposed to it. If, like, for the fee, like 18 million, that is what they said. I wouldn't say no to it. Where would I mean? you play in, though? Uh, probably on the left. But he, he, he's also played up front for Leon. Mm. But, so I think... So here's my sticking point with, with Memphis. I, I think he's got a lot of quality. However, my doubts centre around, obviously, he's coming back from an ACL. Um, whether he has... He struggled with the intensity of the league when he was here first time. I mean, maybe he, he'll, he'll be more clued up second time round. Um, so it's more around, yeah, the intensity, whether he could adapt. And I don't know whether he'd be Arteta's cup of tea anyway. Do you know what I mean? Generally, I don't know if he would like. Do you know what I mean? Arteta's a, a stick, a, uh, like he loves his discipline, in it? Depay's mm. a bit of a free spirit. <laughs> so, I, I, do you know what I mean? So I, I don't know if, if he'll fit in there. But if he was to come and he was willing to work hard and he was uh, applying himself, I think he can make a difference because he, he's a good player, scores a lot of goals when he's fit, um, and he, he can he's got a bit of an X factor about him. But I, I get the I totally get the question marks around him as well. So and so, also, so, yep, go on. I'm just, I'm just wary about the wage as well with him. So I, I don't want to be paying him massive money. Signing a player for any significant money in our situation where every pan, every pound needs to bang, who's just coming off an ACL, is absolutely ridiculous. That's end of story. Right. That's literally all I've got to say on it. It's right. just, it's just, it's mismanagement. It's ridiculous. So, so your, so your objections are purely fitness related, or is there yep. objections about? No. Ability? If if this was pre um, his ACL, even if it was a, a higher fee, I'll take him. No problem. Okay. And where would but, you play him? Uh, I'll play him on the left wing. Hmm. Play him off the left. I think he'll do very well there. I think he could be quite. Um, Versatile, play up top, play on the right. Good player, really he, like he, him, fine. He, he Off an ACL, yeah. ridiculous. When did he come back from his ACL? So he, I, I just saw just now as well, um, the ACL happened like back end of last year, but they said he's been fit for a couple of months now, but obviously he's just getting back to full fitness. He played a training match today. Yeah. They said he got four goals and four assists. I was, I was yeah. screaming, bro. But, um, but yeah. He's so, got a good goal scoring record this season. Like, yes, he has played yes, 13 games, yeah. nine goals in the league. Yeah. Is that, he, is that he, out front or is that out wide? He, he's, he's played both. That's what I'm saying. So he's versatile. He can pretty much play. You could play him in any attacking position up front and I think he'd do well. Yeah, he's a good player. Like, yeah. if, like yeah, I said, if this was without the injury... He's doing fucking hold-up play on the wing and doing all that shit, man. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but if it was about the injury, I would definitely take him. But until you weren't a big fan of him though when he was at United, though, because he was shit at United. He didn't play well. But what makes you think that it'd be any different this time? I think he's improved. I think he's got a lot better. And I think that United team—it's hard to judge people in that team because a lot of players who are well, probably pretty anyway. good were just well, we terrible. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but it's um. But yeah, no, it's just until you prove the players fit. Who buys a player for a significant fee when? We've got no money. Oh, who's just coming back from an ACL? I just think that's mad. Jesus, he's got 18, eight, 14 goals in 18 games this season. He is fucking flat this season. Wow. Mm. No, he's done I said, but when he's fit, he's a good player, man. Like, yeah, he, yeah, I think, yeah. uh, as the Leroy said, he's, he's matured. Like, sometimes you've got to take it. Like, he was bare young when he first went to United, mm. didn't it? Do you know what I mean? So, and also, that, that Louis Van Houten was bare still. 
So straight like, from Holland as well, was it? Yeah, straight from Holland. They they bought him in it. So sometimes like it just doesn't it doesn't work for some people straight away. Like mm. do you know what I mean? So now I think he would like he's what he's twenty five, twenty six now, isn't it? Twenty six. I think he if he came back now, I think he'd do well if obviously fitness permitting. Mm. And the thing is, he has a year left on his deal, so they're saying eighteen to twenty mil for him. That's very cheap. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I said I would consider doing it, but at the same time. Leroy's point stands about the ACL. That's my, my big concern in it. So, yeah. So, the only way I would do it is if you're structuring the deal in a way that protects yourself somehow. So, you're structuring the wages in terms of a heavily incentivized um, uh, contract. And then you're structuring the, the fee that you're paying to Leon again in an incentivized way in terms of like number of appearances, starts, um, all that type of stuff. Mm. Okay. Then I'd consider it. So, so with ACLs, what? So what is your biggest concern about the ACLs? Is like the, the lack of, uh, like the loss of athleticism. Is that, is that? Yeah. So the thing is, with an ACL, right? Like, it well it depends on what you've done to it. Number one. So you can have either a partial tear or a full tear, and it depends on if you've had a like and what the degree of reconstruction. So sometimes they use a bit of your hamstring or sometimes they use an ACL from a cadaver, which is like a, a dead body, basically. Now, what the, the, the big thing about it is not so much the repair, it's the rehab. So when you uh, have an ACL, you can't basically flex at the knee. So you can't bend your knee at all. So muscle wasting occurs very, very quickly. You lose a considerable amount of muscle. And as a highly tuned athlete, it takes a hell of a long time to get that back. When you're a highly tuned athlete, your biomechanics are really important. So not just getting back to a level that's sort of reasonable in terms of strength, getting your balance back, your timing back, and all the biomechanical processes back in terms of your stride patterns and things like that. All these things take a long time. Now, these things are very finely tuned. And if it doesn't come back the same, or it doesn't come back in the right way, they can affect a player forever particularly a player like Depay, who is a relatively explosive player. So you have to have, I mean, it's going to take nine months to a year for a player to really get from right now to a year from playing to get back to where you would want them to be. And that might not even still even be 100%. So one, you don't know what the outcome is going to be and how that player is going to adapt. And two, it's going to take a significant amount of time anyway. That's the risk you take with ACLs, and that's why I'm worried. So from now, you're looking at another year before you really see what the pie is going to be, and we don't know what that is. We don't know how that's going to affect him. We don't, and the thing is, as well, as on that recovery period, you've got a hell of a lot of muscular injuries and other small things that are going to occur at the same time. So it's just a big, big risk. Like, look at Bellerin, for example. Yeah, that's true. But what are, there are there are obviously some success stories coming back from me. Oh yeah, no. The thing is, there are definitely some success stories, hundred percent. But you you don't know how it's going yeah. to turn out. It's a lot. You don't know how that rehab process is going to go until you see it. Right. Mm. Eighteen. Now that I've seen those figures, yeah, and how many goals we've been clapping for Leon, I'm thinking, ooh, <laughs> that's new it is very cheap. Too. That's what I said. Yeah. It, is, it is very cheap for someone who's got a year left in it. So. But but it's it's fair. I, w- I definitely it, wouldn't be signing him as an Oba replacement though. To play up front, no, not. because yeah, that's just balmy. But if you can get him as like an as an additional player, a front three of Depay, Oba, and Pepe, 
Yeah, I don't know, man. No? Nah, it sounds very lay lay, man. Yeah, no, it sounds very <laughs> lay lay, man. I'll tell you what, though, they'll make a brilliant track together. <laughs> Oi, no, no, oi, oi, do you know what? I can't even lie. Oi, bro, no, no, no. Do you know what? I can't even lie. After I saw the link today, yeah, I obviously I clicked YouTube to do the obligatory search. Yeah, the first like six um, searches of, on YouTube of Depay were were rap tunes. They're all like bare, bare freestyles. <laughs> bare freestyles have been rapping on YouTube. I said, I said, bro, I had to, I had to go through like I had to go. It was like the tenth video that there was a compilation video of him. I said, bro. I said, this is what you've been on. I said, this guy. <laughs> I said, this is, guy. Is he still dating Laurie Harvey? He wishes. Nah, she, she <laughs> lodged him. You're a future, bro. I would, sign, I would sign him just so she could come to games. Bro. bro. I'll, I'll definitely be... be renewing my season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Arsenal Radio. <laughs> uh, on that note. She might get back with him still because like, she obviously lodged him because he went to Leon and went to some bummy league, innit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if if he comes back to England, she, 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 you might you might see a stroll through still. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, lads, let's let's call it a day there. Then um, we'll be back. Um, who we got? We got Wolves on the weekend. We'll probably do like a Discord live stream so you can tune into that. Um, obviously hashtag it. Follow us on Touchy Juno. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the John Cross interview, and we'll be, we will be back next week. Uh, cheers, lads. Cheers. Cool. to 2-2 and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil, Lacazette, Ozil! Yo! Could it went left, but it went right, because it went wrong, but it went right, said it was Ian, but it went right, man will get bars on bars on sight. MVP in the night, tell a nigga if the positive, we're heading for a classic in the paper. Final. Could have had that fight, but I'm in walk on side. Man, I have to grab that mind. You're not gonna spit this time. Trying to work with a good oh, energy. Man, you're gonna work with a bad man vibe. None of these guys can't do it. It's a crazy. It's a crazy. That's the response of Arsenal. Across the line. Score for my team in the time I play. Where better know when man's in the game. Chelsea. Simply lost their focus in the joy of equal. If you're a defender fighting to protect your organization from cyber attackers, you must be successful ending attacks every single time. They only need to be successful once. Cyber Reason reverses the attacker's advantage. Our future-ready attack platform gives defenders the wisdom to uncover, understand, and piece together multiple threats, and the precision focus to end cyber attacks instantly. Together, we are the defenders. Cyber Reason. End cyber attacks. From endpoints to everywhere. Learn more at cyberreason.com that's c-y-b-e-r-e-a-s-o-n.com sports social podcast network